Welcome to the Uncomfortable Conversations podcast, the untold stories of the 3HO Kundalini Yoga community. I'm your host, Guru Nishan, and I was born and raised in 3HO, and I started this podcast with several intentions in mind, and I read them at the beginning of every episode. Number one, to break the veil of silence that is long permeated and continues to strangle the 3HO Kundalini Yoga community in the name of neutrality. Number two, to validate and help clarify the complex feelings of those who have joined this lifestyle, were born and raised into it, or who have practiced or taught Kundalini Yoga. Number three, to encourage active listening to uncomfortable conversations from our community as a revolutionary act of self and collective healing. Number four, to let survivors know that we see them, we believe them, we love them, and we will fight for their truth to be addressed. Number five, to let teachers who are denying, gaslighting, or spiritually bypassing know that what they are doing is willfully ignorant and re-traumatizing victims. Number six, to illuminate the inherent racism, homophobia, cultural appropriation, and exploitation that perpetuates the teachings, 3HO lifestyle, and overall community ethos. Number seven, to stop the perpetuation of gaslighting and victim shaming by naming it for what it is. Number eight, to dismantle internalized shame, guilt, toxic positivity, and light washing mentality. Number nine, to honor all of the parts of ourselves that have been forgotten or silenced. Number 10, to honor each and every body that has come through our community, both named and unnamed. And number 11, to encourage people to do their own research, process their own emotions, get somatic therapy and other support and therapy as needed. Draw your own conclusions and be critical thinkers rather than just blindly follow anyone. Please remember that your story matters. Please share it when you're ready. We're here to listen and to support you. Today's guest is Narangkar. Uh, she's an artist and advocate for 3HO second generation adults. She lives in Oregon with her husband and two cats. Narangkar was born and raised in 3HO in the 70s. Her parents are the Guru Johns who headed the Hartford, Connecticut ashram in the 70s and 80s. She's a, she has a big extended family in 3HO as well, including two aunts and uncles, one set of grandparents, five cousins, plus one aunt who's born into, th into 3HO, as well as two sisters, Nirankar and her big sister were child-swapped when they were seven years old, sent to live in Ramdaspuri 
to live with strangers in 1983. They got sent to India for boarding school, first to GNFC school, and then GRD Academy, and also attended New Mexico Military Institute, which was a short-lived US-based school program for the 3HO kids. Narankar left around 18 or 19 years old. In 2008, she started talking about her life growing up in 3HO through the blog Rishi Knots, advocating for the openness and truth about the abuse we children experienced. The goal is for people to better understand how any seemingly innocuous seeker culture can lead toward totalitarian and abusive environments that can cause serious and lasting harm. I want to welcome you, Narankar. It is such a privilege and honor to have you here. Hello, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Um, I say that I don't say that lightly. Um, you've been speaking and being an advocate for truth and speaking to abusive experiences that have happened to you and that you know that have happened to others um, for a long time and long before there was uh, a trend of talking about it, if we can call it that, you know, and so. I want to just say that out loud. 2008, you started speaking out loud. And when you were 18 or 19, can you tell us what year that was? Is when you actually like left the Dharma and kind of like chose something else? Uh, around 93, 94. 93, okay. 94, yeah. So maybe I was 20. I don't know. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I just thank you for being here. I'm happy, excited to hear your voice here and um, means a lot to me because you've been doing this a lot longer than um, I've had voice to it. You know, of course, I was doing my own awareness level stuff, but thank Mm -hmm. you. Thank you for being here. Happy. I appreciate that. It's a it's a (laughs) it's kind of a thankless job. It's not even I don't even know if it's a job I've had to evaluate many times in my um over the past decade about what motivates me to um write write just to write and it's very um stream of consciousness um it's very hold on you can't (laughs) see it in the background um but okay so back to the point um I've had to really evaluate what drove me, what what was my driving motivator for wanting to write, wanting to blog. Um, one, it feels like a very, um, like almost unfettered stream of consciousness kind of style way, way to just kind of plop stuff out on the page. Um, I'm not saying I don't work on it and make sure things are written as well as I can, but it's certainly not like book quality or, you know, it's just dumps, mind dumps. And it, I liked the, I always kind of liked the format of the blog because people actually have to, um, go to it. Um, and it's not a, it's not somewhere where you can just, it'll just show up in your feed. You have to kind of make one little effort to go away from Facebook and um, Instagram and whatnot. So uh, 
I find that to be, even if it's just one little hurdle, it's still worth it to, to kind of keep that barrier, keep that boundary there. And it's, it's almost like a one-way thing. So I don't have to get into arguments with people or argue about, you know, or even talk semantically about what I'm saying, you know, so you know, I I just, I've seen a couple other blogs out there too that have kind of done that as well. People from second generation, just a couple, but that it can be really, I actually recommend it even, you know, a blog is free to start. Anybody can start one and anyone can say whatever they want. So yeah, so um, I mean, I think we're going to get into this because obviously this is a big area of 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 your dimensional experience with three H O and in and coming out and speaking about it. What I want to just kind of start by saying is just that being an advocate for speaking out about anything in regards to three H O and Sikh Dharma and anything over the last number of years, you know, because of the 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 intense culture of silence to do that really is is a lot you know and there's just we know the history of ostracization and all yeah. of the evil making that happens through the kind of cliquish energy that we we grew up in you know it was like you're seeped in it and and so I know that there's a long history of, say, second generation people not being pleased with the things you're saying and kind of historically kind of laughing it off and kind of kind of just chumming up to making, you know, hey, we got the good things and kind of like brushing off the bad thing. Like, I know we can get into that. I just want to, again, say out loud to be speaking out loud about the things you have for as long as you have, regardless of kind of the, what it created it just means a lot to me. I want to just say that that yeah. it means you go out. It's hard to say the uncomfortable shit when people aren't ready to hear the thing that they're not yet perhaps willing to ever examine within themselves. And that's just what it is, right? So again, 2008, your experience, like it blew my mind when I started hearing kind of the timeline of you and your sisters. I knew who you were growing up, of course, like you were friends with Kieran and, and mm -hmm. my, you know, probably Joe and like, of course I know as ch ch children, but, um, I never had a negative. I was just like, I don't know your experience. When I heard the extent of your family, and like having generations in your family and grandparents and aunts and uncles, like it put a whole different understanding for me of the view of what it must be like in your world to have grown up the way you did. Because my experience in 3HO was so different. My parents operated differently than your parents. And so therefore your lived experience was different even though we have crossover. So again, I just want to say that, like hearing it in your bio, but then also I remember when all this came out in 2020, like, whoa, like, oh, you know. there's that. <laughs> and, I, and I suppose it's been convenient for me to keep India kids, Rishinats, to keep it kind of quiet, keep it, keep it rather more or less anonymous. Um, I do think that there's a stigma to you know, there's a lot of ways that we can stigmatize each other. There's a lot of, let me call it residual 
of residual patterning, residual adaptations that, um, you know, that can kind of black sheep somebody or, or all that. The thing is, the thing about that is I, I never saw myself as um, a black sheep in while growing up. And um, I don't see myself that way now. I actually see myself in um, much more of, in terms of a mainstream, you know, participant in society and the responsibilities that um, any, any um, active participant or citizen would take on for themselves. And, and it's so it, it's hard because there's these, there's these little reminders, there's little nagging reminders that are like, you're not supposed to be doing this. You're going to upset somebody. They're going to, they're going to judge you. They're going to talk about you behind your back. Some, I can, you know, you can almost feel the, Mm. the chitter chatter of the past happening in the back of your mind and it's scary it's it's very like alienating it's very isolating to feel like oh did you hear did you hear and then even to have close um you know like even to have um close friends be i you know to come forward and want to have a like these are close people who are, i'm close close with or close with who I've been kept in touch with over the years, mostly people who were at GNFC in the same class as me or whatever. And then who, who kind of like left around the same time and remain friends. And then to have, have even that kind of trigger me, trigger them and them trigger me and me trigger them. And it's like this back and forth, like a seesaw and it's, um, and to have people shy away and be like, oh, no, that no, no, that does not work for me. That's too scary. That's or not even to say it out loud. That's too scary. But to to be like, oh, got to go now. You know, the, it's it is actually um, more. I don't know if I'm veering too far out of context or whatever, but thinking about the way we grew up, I think we all don't even need to talk about the what's and the when's in the house. There's so much of it. And so many people so already have said so much, too much, uh, not too much more needs. There's still more, but you know, there's like so much, so more. much. And at the same time to the hardest part is to use the words abuse or cult or things that seem that are like, wait, that was abuse. You know, that's really traumatizing. That's actually like, um, uh, I have to cool off. I mean, it, it is trigger. It's re-traumatized. It's re-traumatizing because the way our brains adapt to trauma and abuse and all that kind of stuff is, is to, to, to put, put it away, <laughs> you know, as best as you can so that you can survive in the world. And to build Therefore, yourself. you're saying that we don't recognize it. We, we don't did. see it as abuse because it's so much marinated in, in just the culture of the way that we are. We can't yet see it. And I so it's, much appreciate this because it's so hard for it's, it's so hard to understand how it's normalized. It's like 
that is a really big leap of of yeah. activism that you have to and advocacy that you have to do for yourself to to yes. say this was not so deeply normalized that we we didn't think anything you know we felt wrong in our bodies we hurt we hurt but we didn't it if is it normal to hurt is maybe it's normal to hurt maybe i should be suffering whatever you know oh my god oh my god i just i can't agree more like neuron car i literally have had the experience in my somatic body of realizing oh that's not love i was told that was love but it's mm -hmm. not that's mm -mm. that's neglect that's neglect and then having to actually like feel that and it's such it's such a twisted mind fuck yeah spiritual and abuse in this capacity is such a twist because it it literally is opposite and then we are literally abusing others through this marinated um experience of outing others like of pushing them of making them less like projection and um gaslighting mm -hmm. becomes a normal spiritual communication system you know it, i i didn't i i think i first learned what gaslighting is in maybe about 10 years ago and i didn't even see the movie gaslighting until last year gaslight sorry it's called gaslight i haven't heard of it i haven't seen ingrid it. bergman oh my god everybody needs to watch this movie it is what where the term came from gaslighting and it's and then you know i'm first like noticing okay what is gaslighting wait is that gaslighting is that gaslighting so it's a broad umbrella and but at the same time like when you have um when i would say even little i don't like i don't like the way this is it feels wrong and someone would say well that's you and i'm like oh i guess it is me i guess i'm supposed to feel good and it's like um so that's gaslighting that's, we're not that's we're taught to not trust our body instinct of what our body is telling us is real and this outside external experience or person is making us create this internal doubt that actually like gets us to vacate ourselves yeah, they and, actually, totally, and, and yeah. believe that this other person has more wisdom knowledge or know-how of us than ourselves it's like this ultimate self-authority like um you know snatching of of a thor of self-authority yeah yeah i mean the whole it, it's like i guess i don't know um the the way the way adults do that with each other is one thing but to do that with children and essentially work on them in all sorts of ways of narcissistic abuse um is really like ripping at their core and it almost feels like well yeah that makes sense that you would want a generation of people who don't even trust their own instincts mm. um and start to build up 
kind of like a hall of mirrors style instinctual in like like um the the idea that you're i don't know i guess i can get kind of off track i'm i'm thinking of um the way the word intuition was kind of used a lot use your intuition or uh build or strengthen or something as if doing incantations gets you to have a stronger sense of self actually the having a stronger sense of self comes with a lot of um parental validation and all the things that were we weren't getting so uh i think i'm speaking on a very general sense to try not to like i don't know i hope it's i hope it's not veering um, but oh. thinking about that just having a conversation around um, so many examples time. i think that that we can grab onto of ways that practices lifestyle habits things that we generally want to classify as really good disciplined beautiful spiritual practices or religious practices or name them whatever the fuck you want but that what they're actually doing is strong holding your capacity to feel yourself yeah yeah, and it's that's it's it's a it's an ultimate gaslight. It's like yeah. we've been marinated in the experience of using all this amazing wisdom that's been called this wisdom when really it's been a bunch of coagulated semi-fragmented truths robbed from real truths put into a housing system and given ourselves an identity. And if we're not oh, willing wait, to examine not... that identity. I mean, and this is where we might, this is where I might say, wait a minute, Rob, from real truths, there are no real, there, it's like, it's history, it's culture, it's tradition, it's thousands of years of people making stuff up. No, that's just part of history that is ugly for the most part and, and uh, complicated uh, and like messy and war-torn and bloody and murderous and you know full of no i mean it's like i guess this is where i kind of want to take it to is like i um or not just thinking of that thinking about tradition culture history art humanities this is what gave me my foundation for understanding what what truth is and i don't so i i say that with a really like huge grain of salt because I actually don't claim there is any but also I do know about what it takes to understand um how like because I went to art school in the night back when I fit when I left I went to art school then I married an artist and all my friends are artists all like and we just I think that I've spent my whole life um, this is kind of fast forward, maybe almost to the reason for writing. I've spent my whole life studying art and art history. Everywhere I go, everything I do involves studying art and art history. And um, probably being able to go to Europe, maybe in when I was in my 20s, back in maybe 20 years ago, um, seeing the seeing as much as we possibly could through Italy, France, and, and the Netherlands. Um, and um, kind of that being one of the 
um, ways that I started to understand how um, everything is borrowed, you know, um, how old, you know, how old is new, new is like how old art history is still relatively modern art history um, and how it, you know, a lot of the stuff we were taught as um, fact, even all those stories of, of martyrdom and all those iconic figures of gurus and stuff like that are, are very much part of, of the trajectory of civilizations borrowing from one another. And, you know, I'm getting a little esoteric, but so I think the point I was just trying to make is that he was appropriating from all sorts of places. It, it, we don't have to get into words like true. appropriating from, from other places. places. Sure, because that is his, history, right? But I guess that we're creating a new identity from all of these things. And so as you start to break open or speak out loud to say, hey, that's actually not the case. Historically, we can see that those people were made to be evil. Oh, what? What? How can you speak out against blah, blah, blah? So we mm. might be in different standing points in terms of like under our viewpoints of truth and the wisdom and all these yeah, sorts yeah. of things. But I guess I want to stay on point around yeah. what does it mean to grow up in a culture that basically says this is the way and then you get to a point and you realize that's not the way. In fact, not only is that not the way, that's abuse. And so to yeah. be able to stand in that place, and you started doing that a long time ago. For me, I did that too, but I did it more like I thought parts of it were good and other parts weren't. Meaning I thought, okay, there's infidelity, there's hypocrisy, you know, that's all religions, you know, most people. So I kind of people Recon are messy i reconciled right i was reconciling but i really did think and held for most of my adult life this kind of sense of reverence that what we got was something good and now i really and over many years of my own personal healing but when i really saw it in 2020 i really saw the level of cult and abuse manipulation all the healing work i had done i didn't do like i didn't understand the extent of indoctrination i was living under that literally felt like indoctrination like hooking into my own consciousness because if you grow up in a in a sphere of consciousness how are you going to see it any other way until that gets cracked and and it's so that it's when it comes to and that's indoctrination basically but and so i am somebody who totally thinks i'm like no i'm an atheist i don't believe in any of it i'm not new agey i'm my feet are firmly planted on the you know the earth and i'm i'm here on planet earth with everybody else and i have i'm of of you know a very you know i'm boring in that way nothing is nothing is romanticized or whatever but um i accept too that um we all no matter where we're at um have a level of indoctrination that that might be sadly might just be part of who we are 
as a way to survive and function in the world. Um, a lot of um, it's been for this, I'm going to generalize here um, and kind of think about the second generation and make some distinctions between the first and second generation is that um, for the second generation, I feel um, when you say second generation, listeners, I want you to understand that she's referring to people that were born into 3HO generally, right? As a general group or, of us. Or as like little kids. Or came in really young and basically raised up. Raised or even, you know. you know, young enough to still have that part of their brain be developing. And so, so enculturating is happening along with development. So during um, developmental stages, so it's like all kids that were didn't have the choice to come in; they were just a part of being raised, born and raised in this culture. Keep going. Um, that I would say there's a funny thing going on, generally speaking, and you know, like take this with a grain of salt. If you don't see yourself in this, in this, you listeners, everybody, if you don't see yourself in this, that's okay because. Um, I'm not being personal. Um, it, we, there's a, there's an uncanny ability to chameleon, um, in the world and also be a little bit, um, and I, me too, um, a little bit, uh, exotifying of our own experience. Um, maybe a lot bit exotifying of our own experience of, here, here. I, you know, I grew up I, my name is Narankar. It, what does it, it mean? So it's a, where did you get it? I, well, it's a long story, but, and uh, yeah, I, I lived in India for nine years out of my childhood. People go, whoa, that's crazy. Tell me more. Okay, well, um, and while, you know, it's, it's happening in a very like free form way, that's not, you're not ready to sit down and be, be, hardcore about it so you're like well you know what it did was this is what i do when i give the sanitized version well what it did was it gave me a really um healthy appreciation for um other parts of the world that you know most people don't see most people don't see that stuff and when you're little you see you're taking it in more like a sponge and you see things that that maybe you're not even old enough to be shocked by it poverty for example like the the poverty of india um didn't really um sink in you know was, you just kind of assimilate um and so we uh you know we kind of chameleoned our way through india chameleoned our way back when we got back home from being in india feeling like we were maybe what's called third culture kids like not really part of america not really part of india of um being you know kind of having to chameleon with with our college mates um chameleon as an i felt like you know it's it's chameleon as an artist being like am i an artist i don't know if i'm an artist man i grew up way different from all y'all i don't know how to i can't i can't speak this art language the way you guys can i'm not i don't have that 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 built into me i'm having to learn as i go and you really learn how to kind of kind of and then and and sometimes this is like the sometimes the the trappings of that lifestyle that upbringing are that it's interesting to people people are genuinely curious wow like you grew up how you grew up 
wow. And some people, wow, that must be, you must be really lucky. You must be really fortunate to have that. Like say for you, uh, you must be really fortunate to have been grown up in a yoga environment. Like some people are going to really latch onto that and glom and make you so special and make you they want to what happened i remember this they want to start paving this way as if you have this magical way about you and they must come learn and i remember experiencing it and having this double effect inside one i loathed it i wanted so like, literally you know i wanted to dis i was disgusted Disgusted, and I literally felt disgust in my body, and I wanted to puke. And then another part of me, almost simultaneously, reveled in it. it was like, wow, maybe I do. Maybe it is really something. And just soaked it up like this. I am this. And then it made me realize that a lot of the untwist of the convolution of the trauma that that I that in my exp opinion that I grew up in and that we as a collective grew up in is that it's that twisted of convolution it's both good and sadistically abusive simultaneously and it's so interwoven in our sense of self that we call that peace we right. think that's peace. It's not. It's not peace right. at all. Or if, it's not. If something that's giving you, if there's something that's giving you a visceral experience, of like disgust? when I throw up, <laughs> that's not peace. Disgust. It, and and it's that would be a sign that that's a that's a trigger that you're not even aware is a trigger. I didn't even know. And yet I was able to hold my awareness there to say like, yeah, I don't want that. So I was able to be aware like, wow, a part of me could go down that road. And that's not what I want at all. Cause that's what I grew up around. I grew up around that kind of fake, you know, public, this secret, this, and like th this twisted and it felt just like that. It was like disgust meeting, um, possible great, impossible, like, like meditation's wonderful. Breathing is wonderful. Like these things are in, this is what I mean by innately true. They're true in and of themselves. They aren't special because we got them packaged. There is, there is no special meditation could be meditation. There's no exactly. special meditation There's... that's any different than that. But meditation can be, you know, it's like it's a it's just a word that's been monetized at this and point. Hijacked. It's, it's Absolutely. Just, you know, I don't I I'm think one of those people special that I want to say on the specialness. I want to stay on, on, stay on this. Exotification. Because the, yes, the exotification. It's so important. Like, I can't agree more. Like, the fight around, like, I'm so attached to my name, and yet I hate the fact that it starts this whole conversation, and yet a part of me part of me likes it because obviously it makes me special. And you know, this is a part of the human experience, in my opinion. That's like we battle this thing around this and that, you know, and like facing this reality. Like, yeah, do I like this? Am I unconsciously really fed on the exotification of where I come from, even though 
I also know it has, there's a lot of baggage here. So we don't deal with the dark stuff because we just kind of gleam on to kind of what we want to hold as good yeah. and true. Right. That, yeah. that includes the exotification of it. Kind of, yes, going around the world, having relationships around the world, being able to see places, having experiences that we wouldn't have had if we just grew up as an average American, so to speak, right? I know I have fed most my life on those things. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I definitely can say, um, I feel like, you know, you know how I was saying, I, you know, I've, everywhere I go, I look at art, everywhere I go, I go to museums, every, you know, I try to do as much as I possibly can. Um, in, and, you know, there's a lot I still haven't seen, but what, happened in the beginning which i still am you know still have to work on all the time it's something to that that um i had you know i had india as my almost my traveling frame of reference um and so i was like dude i got this i can go anywhere and i can go i can sit on any delayed train for any amount of time and not lose my mind because <laughs> <laughs> I, that's been around it's been happening um but a huge like almost bringing this is what i'm kind of realizing with covid because i haven't had to gotten to travel for 18 months um or go to really go to museums a whole lot or do you know do what i do and which isn't a lot it's not like me and pete are out there traveling all the time we're not like globe trotters or anything but like um the the i in the early i'm looking back and i'm kind of reflecting saying yeah i think when when i first started when i first went to europe that time 20 years ago i um i brought to it my preconceived notions of what i should what what it should be what what how i would get on in a place like europe without speaking the language very well without you know knowing a whole lot really when when we were growing up like one of the things that has been difficult being an artist is that we weren't we didn't learn bible stories we didn't learn we didn't learn christianity we didn't really learn much about western culture western yeah. civilization at all and so it it is more for it, so i was like ascribing some of my preconceived notions about even about otherness which is something we had to become very adept at in to to recognize otherness and recognize that in ourselves and then to also um be able to assimilate and chameleon Oh, the chameleon. I just want to say that chameleon. I have always been an expert chameleon. I think it's a symptom of our culture and, yeah, and, it's, yeah. and we don't even know it. And it's so fascinating yeah. for you to and name we, it. We were so, it was almost like we were, we were miniature. We were feral, but we were like these little experts at, at pretend. And, um, it, and it's also real but um yeah so it was tough to you know to realize like i don't know very much i really actually don't know very much and i want to keep knowing much and i really don't i don't understand italian culture and i probably won't until 
you know, I'm not Italian, I'm American. And then it reflects back on you. For me, it reflected back on me very um, acutely, probably maybe, uh, maybe in the beginning of like the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, when people are talking about patriotism and national pride. And I'm like, yes, I, that I am American. I am American and I'm, I'm a patriot and I'm proud. Um, and I, I am very American and, and that's so that doesn't make me a, um, right wing flag waving bully. It makes me a part of who I am. And it, it, I, I'm happy to say as like someone who I see myself as, uh, I don't know, um, more more probably further to the left politically still a proud patriot and uh understanding that that comes with barely even knowing like knowing you're american and then also saying but am i i don't know who i like not knowing who you are still and having to figure that out um and that's a that's i guess that's a part of growing up in a in a culture that whisks you away and tells you that a, being Americanness is wrong. Is wrong. Being or Americanness bad. was toxic and bad and and sultry and and sinful and what I don't know if this word sinful. I'm just gonna say it. It's it might have been negative or something, you know, but it definitely was the off path. It, it was rock and sex drugs it, and rock and roll it was were the, the low things, path. Right. It was not the graceful one. <laughs> Meanwhile, all our parents are doing who knows what. Who With knows each what? other. Man, they, some of them, <laughs> I'd say, you know, like, <laughs> they were calling, <laughs> they were calling Yogi Bhajan the, uh, the Harvey Weinstein of yoga. I'm like, nah, he's the R. Kelly of yoga. Yeah. <laughs> so horrific. Exactly doing horrific things. And, you know, one of the things that's bothering me in language that I'm seeing kind of as in swirling is just kind of like this language like of, you know, I'll say like of the first generation clan of crew people, people who chose to come into the community at whatever stage they chose, kind of using this language of, yeah, like, I can't believe, you know, why B did these things, you know, as if they're a stage removed, you know, it as if it's only about who YB did something to, as opposed to an entire culture that created ad adaptations of literal complex PTSD in all of the children born in. And it's like, hello, you are as responsible. Yes. You, you, yes, yes, you, yes. and you, and first generation, and all the yoga students, and every one of you that wants to keep saying the technology is so special. No, you were a part of not paying attention and a part of vacating yourself, which means we learned that vacating our bodies was the right way to not have humanity to not feel our emotions was the right way you were the example every one of you who took care of us at children's camp every one of you who left and didn't say something 
because you were also afraid and you were also scared and you were also trying to figure it out. I get it. You were traumatized, but you still are responsible for us kids that are feeling the imprint of that in our own brains and can't even dismantle healthy from not healthy because we're so twisted in our psychosomatic psychology. Yeah. Or we're, we're love starved too. Let's just say that That's out loud. We, you know, a six year old on their own in a boarding school is not getting love and affection. And the idea that not getting affection was not seen as a problem I mean, I'll probably cry at the end of this or something because that's what makes me break down. That's what makes me suffer inside is the idea that no hugs, no kisses, no tucked in at night, no combing hair, no braids, none of the, no, none of that, no effect. And not when you, like, Science has established that affection is crucial to development. And there was no affection. We showed, now let me say, we showed each other, we still do in our own weird way, but um, we showed each other affection as children because we were oftentimes, which is what children kind of do, is... um, uh hug and wrestle and snuggle and mess around with each other's hair and heads and even even beating up is kind of a weird way of having bodily contact it's like cor anything corporeal kids kind of do automatically but we you know even just like the little back massages that that were going on especially it was usually like in the girls school you know, there was a, there was, I'm not saying we were all like this, like not touchy feely at all, but like, you know, like having, having affection from your parental figure. Um, I, I don't even think a surrogate shame. I don't even think a surrogate showing you affection means as much as a actual parent or family, like a grandparent or a parent or anything like that. And, um, so like, and we didn't get that either. There were surrogates. They were they were cold. They were they were ice cold. Mm-hmm. And so there wasn't, you know, especially for me, I was like, oh hell no. But um the that that was seen as I don't know, I think good. I actually think positive like it was seen as a positive it, yes, you were, it was framed by somebody yeah. of affection not to mention health, food, uh, education, um, and, and then piling on all the, all the phony baloney pseudoscience, new age nonsense that goes with it, um, is in lieu of, you know, if you just sit straight with your spine straight and breathe really hard, it'll be like getting a hug or something, you know, it's like, no, oh, we are mammals. Not. We are animals, and we require corporeal, affective, affection, loving, kind, compassionate touch. So um, the fact that that wasn't 
that was that alone was normalized is pretty demented and twisted and fucked sorry oh okay, i just went on a rant it's but. okay it's good i mean you went to a childhood place too because you were child swapped as it's you spoke of and then you went to school at gnfc and grd i mean these are the early schools and because there was this early cultural silence and all this went on early but for so many decades there's been no outlet those who left left and had their experience and kind of left people to just carry on in the culture and almost almost to the thing like hey you know do whatever you want i'm just gonna go on my spiritual path over here and almost what my experience is like that's almost a part of the indoctrination too a bit is like i'm a soul you're a soul choose what you want i'll choose what i want and when i no no we're talking yeah. about abuse and so yeah. but what do you do right like in oh i see with the current with the are you talking about like the current state of things where it's just like hey you do your thing i'm gonna keep doing i'm gonna keep doing sock kriya because it duh, 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 that's happening now but it's always happened what i'm saying is like okay. it just becomes a normalized kind of part of the spiritual lingo that's used to not name abuse to not name you know not name it for what it is you know and yeah. you're you're calling out like you're saying no affection touch these things are necessary and yes as much as you want to gleam all this good from all the years that of neglect it's time to start naming it neglect and recognizing symptoms mm -hmm. because in my body i didn't recognize symptoms that were in plain sight because i had been so trained not to call it that well those in those but those in those symptoms are um really really dis dysregulating it's dysregulating. It's not healthy to our nervous system, even though we've been trained, this is healthy to our nervous system. No, have you actually felt what your body is doing? Not what you've been told it's doing, but what it's actually doing. And that's you know, what you're saying. I mean, this is, I'm just saying, you feel. speak to this, like you bring it down to earth and you're like, no. And, and <laughs> that is not there is something seriously wrong with this picture and we need to address name it name it and it's really in the room <laughs> and this and innately is gonna make people make you out to be wrong and evil and all the things because you're pointing out something that perhaps in my own consciousness i haven't recognized and i can yeah. really i can own that because like i've wreck i've been over the last couple of years like i've recognized whoa i think that i use my breath in d to disassociate mm -hmm. and yeah. i was trained that way and it was so interesting how yeah. i can use deep breathing to actually not feel what's going on and that's very i think cultural that's not unique to me but i don't know i'm just saying i think the way you're talking it helps me to see differently a little bit because it helps Good. me like piece, pierce the veil to yeah. say, yeah, what if, what if things that I've always contexted as really great, what if it's, I stand from that point of view and, and 
it allows us to see something beyond what we might have been trained to name it as. Yeah, and even to um, be able, to, it's a tough, it's it's a tough place to be. It's not fun. It's uncomfortable. It's dysregulating. It's painful. It's it's traumatizing. It but it's really, it it will help us at least the second generation. It will help us break on through a little bit more to the other side of being able to comfortably say out loud this is not okay. There's something wrong with this picture. And when you can say, Hey, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with this picture. Um, then you can, you can say not, you know, like this whole one thing I really recoil from big time is things that have that, that are projected onto me with such black and white thinking, such yet such such polarity that um and i'm like i actually just just spent the last 25 years of my life in the gray area in the i don't know zone so that i there you don't offend anyone no i i will offend i'll offend tons of people but you know like Say, take the phrase, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Is that a phrase? That's a phrase, right? That's let's not throw thing. the baby out with the bathwater. Um, that's, that's a, that's a, uh, what's the word? Platitude um, of, it's not all bad. Um, some is good, right? Okay, so what does that actually come down to saying whatever's not, whatever's bad like, are they saying throw out the bathwater and keep the baby? I don't know. But anyway, it's it's like what it's a platitude that negates the bad while trying to emphasize the good so that people can keep on going and focusing on the things that they think are rosy while shoving away the things that they don't want to deal with. So we're not throwing out anything. I'm making you take a bath in the dirty, disgusting bathwater. Damn it. <laughs> Wade in that Get dark in. water <laughs> because you helped to make it that dark. <laughs> it wasn't just him. It was baby, all of us. Right? Not, the baby is, I don't know who the baby is, whatever. Why is that even a phrase? It's because somebody decided to come up with a dumb platitude and apply that to really complicated Complex. complex structural problems both in society and in a cult that mirror each other and then diverge and keep on going like this and you can platitude till the cows come home but it doesn't change all of the what you're talking about all the somatic experiencing all the visceral responses all the triggers that we're experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis that that we need to survive in the world and we're adapting as best as we can. And so for me, when I hear platitudes and when I hear equivocating and I hear spiritual bypassing, my my window of tolerance is here and it goes to about here. And I I want to like I want to rip someone a new one because I've spent 25 years trying to uh trying to open my mind yes not close it 
and opening my mind has come with accepting that things are hard and things are bad and but that it's, it doesn't make it okay to abuse somebody you know when they say like life isn't perfect stuff like that oh so that made it okay what the fuck are you saying yeah like why yeah exactly i'm with a woman a woman <laughs> I regret, I, I, and let's not focus on the past. Did you even think, did you even try for one second to, to think about the, to think about what you did yesterday? Like I literally, I'm going to, I literally drop my ass in, into Española right after Nimi wanted and look at me. I'm loud. I'm open. I'm vocal. I'm like, don't expect me to listen to you when I haven't been around you for the last 10 years to my parents and my family. Mm. Open, saying this out loud. Y'all haven't seen what I've seen. Don't, don't expect me to listen to you now. And then going, well, you know, having this come back at me. Well, if you don't like me, then you can leave or some stupid shit like that. Or well, hey, your parents said to you? Calling in the past. And I'm like, I, I got dropped off yesterday. Like, I don't have, what do you want me to dwell on right now? This is, <laughs> this is your parents said to you when you got back from India? Yeah, it, that, that let's not dwell on the past started like as soon as we got home, as soon as we got home. And this is my me. present. This is my present reality. That's not past. This is my present. And what I want to point out here is that when gaslighting like that, why be like all of the, the, the whole, all of it so infused, we think that's normal. It, it goes into the way we relate to our soul and it must be our, our, like, it's so sick because you're talking about like, that's what they said, don't dwell on the past, but it's the same thing that YB was saying to them or they were saying to their students or other students or ashram people were saying to kids or whatever. It's all getting people to self-invalidate and right. not self-trust. Yeah, self like oh, yeah, maybe I do need to look to the future. Well, what a, what, let's see, what am I going to do in the future? Am I going to go to college? I think I want to go to college. No, Maybe it's that I'm not that. doing a good sadna. Maybe it's because I decided to cut my hair. Maybe it's because of this. Maybe it's because of this. And it's, it's this constant not enoughness yeah. disguised as consciousness. And mm -hmm. if we don't start pulling it apart, we literally, it's like, I feel the pain of it, like as you're saying, as a second generation, because it's so unrecognizably packaged as strength and radiance yeah i'm trying to think of what to kind of i hope that what we're saying is resonating and in a general sense because that i feel like that helps um that should help it should but also like to say well what helped what helped get what helped with actual self-valid it's it's still difficult but what helped with um honestly for me just all the things that were hard to do just doing it like well also like you know i'm very fortunate that i have a partner who's been with me since art school and who had the immense i say this in a 
very um, almost envious way. And I, he had the enviable childhood of total openness and total freedom and parents who came to his side when he got in trouble or parents who show up for him and not without difficulty. I'm not saying that I'm saying there, he didn't have to believe in a God or a, any kind of, um, uh, you know, any, yeah, any kind of anything. He didn't have to do that. He, he got to choose. He wasn't like, they weren't like, we're atheists. You know, they weren't like that. They were like, we, like his dad comes from a Jewish background. His mom comes from like a Southern Christian, you know, Gentile background. And so for them, it's whatever you want to do. We're not going to impose any of that stuff on you. Um, and then to, to see from, to see that in your partner, to see, a part of them that is unfettered by being able to not have religion shoved at them and um and that children really are not religious they're just not there are our needs children's needs are not in the metaphysical realm they're in the physical they're in the physical realm their touch their food their clothing they're they're learning how to do stuff they're in on this planet all the time so and then just seeing how how more grounded and like we're both kind of like people pleasers we're both like nice guy kind of quality in a way i'm definitely more defiant and spazzy but like like he's like he is when he something doesn't sit well he gets uncomfortable he recognizes that he's uncomfortable and says, I don't have to participate in something that makes me uncomfortable. Mm. And he doesn't fret about it the way I do. Mm. When something makes me uncomfortable, when something gets under my skin or my hackles raised, I'm like, fight or flight. I'm like, I'm like, they're making me do this. <laughs> you know, I'm getting all like, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go after, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that. And and he's just kind of like, you can just politely decline stuff and move on. <laughs> you can on. just say and, no. <laughs> he's so <laughs> comfortable with setting boundaries and I'm not. And that's what, you know, that comes, it's like, I would love to have a body that was comfortable with boundaries without having to learn it as an adult. Um, and those Without are, all the alerts and signals, mm. but it's very, very possible to do. It just has to happen in little baby steps. And what I say, when I say to the second generation, that is very possible. And we, everybody has the capacity for it starting now. If you haven't, um, the first generation needs to respect our boundaries when we say we don't want to talk about something, when we say, no, 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 don't go there. Don't get my hackles raised. Have some respect for my boundaries because what I've noticed, first generation in or out, doesn't matter where you're at. If something sits uncomfortably, I get tossed. Like I got, you know, I get kicked out of whatever group I'm in, whatever person I'm talking to. It's a relationship abandonment that happens 
no, you're putting up a boundary that I don't like and I'm excommunicating you just the same way that I ex we got ex I got excommunicated from 3HO. It's like a nope. And that's not that's really a failure that I think we should um address. Mm, can you speak more to this? I want to hear more. You obviously have had um a Rishi Knotts blog where you're speaking out loud about these topics and so like speak to like what is it what are these interactions with the first gen that has taught you how to have a boundary and what does that look like and then what does it look like when they cross it well the 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 having a boundary has been for me like come from a very um uh almost liminal place of of automatic mistrust anyways of yeah right you know i'm you okay you know like i so let's let's pull back for a minute okay as children we were feral i'm just gonna use that word because that's that's how it go how it look how it looks to normal society or whatever we were on our own we were at camps for eight weeks. That's a really long time for little, little kids to be away from their parents. So it started with being at these extended camps up in Ramdas Pori. Then it swapping, child, the child swapping between different families put you on your own, essentially. The, most people weren't cared for in that situation. Um, and then... Um, you know, even my ashram growing up that was relatively small and I would say okay compared to others probably still wasn't ideal for another kid who had to live there. And I think there was one or two other kid, kids who got sent to live in our ashram from their ashram. And then, so you're not going to get the same care from you're not even a foster kid at that point you don't even the the people who are are assigned to take care of you don't owe you anything like they don't even have to report to anybody except for maybe the Siri Singh Saab and he doesn't give a shit they could also have uh, a long history of their own abuse and their own predator history own like garbage. wow children yeah. are ending up I also want to add to the fact that not only at summer camps for eight weeks but if your parents were like my parents and most parents were more in than even my parents, then we went to every tantric. Tantric came to us. The parents were doing so much Khalsa council meetings and this meeting and that and then traveling as teachers and traveling as directors. So we're in the caretaking of children's camps at every tantric at every mm, gathering, yes. at every ashram setting, which Absolutely. means that all of the, you know, yoga students that just happen to be on the bandwagon for those decades were caretaking. That means a lot of bunch of strangers were taking rando. care of a rando. lot of bunch of rando people. A lot, a lot and, of and, and I will no. hundred. I will say I've always thought this stuff to be positive and it's helped me to hear like, no, that's rando. Total. That's some random person telling you some random thing. What the fuck? <laughs> that's, that's wrong. That's a boundary. Not only is it wrong, 
But the amount of sexual predator behavior on children in settings where this kind of thing is so open and the amount we don't remember from a very young age, like it just amplifies the reality of things that have taken place in our lives, even if we don't remember it. And yeah, it's super, it, let's, it's just the atmosphere that is rife for opportunism of all kinds. Right. And, you know, um, the, the, um, so yeah, the, the, the fact that we were shuttled off when our parents were meditating is another part of neglect and, and being feral, being left to your own devices for way too long, you know, and being left unattended for way too long. And then India, like after, so camps also so now india is this it's it's somewhat the the boogeyman state go well you know india obviously we were gone for nine months out of the year we were in a boarding school and some of us were really really tiny now they keep now they upped the age, I think, but still it's way too, none of it's okay. I'm not going to say any of it's okay. Um, so no, I don't care, you know, and, but eight, you know, I was eight. My younger sister was seven. Sir eight was six. Um, there were five-year-olds there. It's too young to even remember. It's, it's like before people even learned how to read, they were being shipped off on a plane by themselves to, a country that did not see them as people having rights. And so we didn't have rights at home. We didn't have rights there. Uh, oh, where was I? Oh, okay. So what that does is you grow up feral. You don't have any, you, you kind of said to yourself, it might be pre-verbal, it might be visceral, it might be something. There's no one looking out for me right now. I got to look after myself. Little Orphan Annie <laughs> coming out fisticuffs um, for me, you know, and some hiding away, some some latching on, whatever it is. Some disguising you. better. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the result of that is then these our parents, the grown-ups, the first generation, the people who converted into this and made all these choices on our behalf, in their mind, I don't know what's telling them it's a good idea, but in their mind, they're exotifying it and romanticizing it and telling themselves it's amazing. And so to them, maybe they think we owe them a lot of respect for doing, for making these decisions on our behalf. And they're saying, well, we, we did this for you. And I'm in, in, in our hearts in our, or in our, in our guts, we're saying, I don't like you anymore. I love you. I want your affection. I love you. I love you so much. I can't, it hurts, but I don't really like you. And I definitely don't respect you, you know? And so I, with that gut feeling of not respecting your own parents, because you saw that abandonment you experience that abandonment early on and it continued well it, it continues into adulthood it continues through college it continues on um 
the double whammy with that is that Yogi Bhajan himself was pulling the kids aside. And these, you can find it all in the library of teachings, people. This is not me remembering. This is there. It's all for you. For anybody who wants to look at it, they can see it. It's all up front and in the open. It's telling parents that they're not good enough. They're not smart enough. They're super crazy and inept. And, and your kids don't love you. There is literally something in the library of teachings that says there's no way your kids will love you. Meanwhile, us kids are like, we love you so much. We don't even know what, how to, how to express that. We, and, and so he's, he's, then he's pulling the kids aside. You remember when we, when we were like, there's library teachings, you can go back and look at it, pulling teenagers aside and having teenager only talks and telling the teenagers, listen to me. Don't listen to your parents. Listen to me. Don't listen to your parents. Listen to me over and over and reinforcing what we're reinforcing our insecurities around the lack of attachment that we have with our parents we, that we deeply still yearn for. There's a long, there's always going to be that longing, but, but we're the, the attachment is gone. And he's saying, don't, don't listen to them. Don't listen to yourselves. And, and it really fucked with our heads. I'm sorry. Like, so how, so then rebuilding and any kind of attachment as an adult relationship where we're sitting here struggling to say, here's why things are the way they are. Here's why we don't want to listen right now. Here's why you need to listen. Um, it, when that gets met with, nope, gotta go. You're out of here, man. You know, like getting kicked off of beyond the cage for saying, no, you're going to listen to me right now um that is that's just where that where i'm talking about how the when you try to assert that boundary there's already such a such a loss of of opportunity that that has been missed and missed again and missed again and missed again and missed again that that you know now yeah i don't know it, it's just yeah. a travesty a tragedy actually mm. It's, uh, you know, so that's kind of where we're at today, where we're seeing it's it, we're seeing like, no, we've been hardened kind of. And so for us reading, you know, looking at something where someone's like, I took the blinders off. You're like, good for you now fucking live on planet Earth with the rest of us. And not only that, but start to feel my pain. You don't get to just be like hanging out in a group of other people like you getting praised for suddenly waking up to the brain stupor that you've been in for 50 years. Oh no, now start feeling the weight of what it means to start taking responsibility for generations of children that have complex PTSD because you decided to be vacated for the last 40 years. It yeah. pisses me off. It's, it pisses it me off. And people, oh, like that, that there's language like, don't use language like, yeah, I can't believe that all that happened and we didn't know. No, they knew. Yeah, bullshit. You chose to take a higher 
light washed view. That's what it is. You knew, you knew your husband was fucking around. You knew so-and-so's husband was sleeping with so-and-so's husband and that this was happening and that was happening and that was happening. You absolutely knew. And if you, you didn't were, knew, you if knew you didn't... predators in the ashram. And if you, you didn't know... predators in India. You, you knew. knew. And if you so didn't know, year. you were too busy reading some scripture to actually feel what was happening right next door when the director of your ashram was sleeping with the new yoga student. You know it was happening, but you don't remember because your consciousness has been so fragmented for so long. It's yeah, not yeah, enough. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, and I, it's, it's like not enough. I tried I, to point out last year when the when the olive branch report came out i was pushing that stuff back as much as i could to say i'm not fucking getting into this again and like i of course i did <laughs> and it one i had deleted my facebook because i just didn't want to be on facebook anymore and then i was like okay i guess i'll see what people are talking about all the discussions are happening on facebook so yeah, I want to read it. I read a couple of the, um, I read a couple of the statements that uh, people put out of, especially first the firsthand statements by people of the second, women of the second generation who said that they had been personally um, abused, uh, assaulted by Yogi Bhajan himself, or and then by uh, why am I? that number sign guy good dave whatever yeah and then uh you know like personal things and then per personal testimonials and then and then being um for getting my hackles raised and being like okay um you know sort of saying to myself okay i don't think this is a safe space necessarily i think this might be dread this, this might be pulling a lot out into the open, but I don't know if people are actually going to be safe. And I'm actually a little bit concerned that it could cause someone to go into a really serious crisis and not have a soft landing. Um, and, you know, we've had, let's, we've had, um, this has been, it's been really weird to be uh, away and not in 3HO, but knowing some people still and then then they did you hear this happen did you hear that happen did you hear so and so took his life this kid took his life there's been this kid this person had a had a psychotic um episode break, uh an episode this this person you know when when um uh shoot my brain is moving really fast right now. So that's usually <laughs> when I blame. I want to. I want to pause there. The amount of children uh, that have t have committed suicide or have had psychotic uh, or other mental health, and like you yeah. have been an advocate of speaking to these things, which I have mm -hmm. to be honest, I didn't know the long history. I knew there was a long history of an entire generation kind of quote leaving the Dharma, and very few that were in that yeah. and propagated a new generation, which there was still a love and bonding of those relationships regardless among that second gen clan even if there was a lot of things not talked about that was my it's, perception it seems um, really taboo it's a taboo in a good way and a bad way the good reason for having a taboo around talking about um these serious crises 
um, is that you give you we you know when we grew up in a cult we knew each other's business all the time everybody knew what was going on with each other and for someone to truly heal they need space you know you know what I mean like give, they need to be given the space and the respect to heal um, the down the the alternative the flip side of the coin to that taboo is that we don't talk about suicide or mental, mental health, health. violence mental or violence. sexual violence right um which sexual violence is i mean it's just an umbrella term for all kinds of you know spousal abuse uh or you know whatever you know that might continue on you had somebody on your on your podcast who talked about her own kind of spousal abuse having to do with a second gen yeah. Person who, yeah, right. And how it just normal it is kind of like this kind of culture of, uh, I mean, I was a little astounded by hearing a, a few of those episodes because it brought me back to like what my mom would refer to back in 1960, you know, 70 something as the good old boys cub, kind of like this, like chumming it up energy of mm -hmm. like, I'm so holy, my cock's so holy, whoever I put it in, I'm healing them. And I'm ah! like, oh my so God. Like, what? I, yeah. And then I was like, oh, my God, that was like the same. The fact that that's in the generations of our children born in and like in their psyche in some yeah, way. There was some that 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 it was OK to kind of have these kinds this kind of sexual violence be normalized. And but, sexual affairs as if they are blessing those yeah. that they've sowed their oats. Like, you know how right. old and misogynistic this is? And the fact that you're painting it like it's a spiritual principle passed down from YB the Predator? That is, this is odd. This is right. odd. And it's shaped as, like, in their psyche, right? The story was told explaining that in... And that's not unique to just one person like we're realizing wow it, like at least it exposed to me this is a systemic example of what it means to have grown up and been raised up in this culture and to have this wow women have this collective and then men have this collective and it's all this infusion mm -hmm. so yeah and that's the that's the downside of not talking about stuff <laughs> openly and not talking about Honestly, the hardest part is second generation suicide and how like the you you don't know like for me I'm in the I'm it's cloudy every time. I know I know this happened. I know so and so is incarcerated or whatever. I know I, you know like I know something happened but I don't know the family i don't know the people close enough to be any kind of support i personally can't give financially because i'm not in that position i i can't take somebody in as much as i would want to or you know like you can't get too close but it is something that should kind of be maybe a, we should shine more light on and not you know it and it comes down to those that broken attachment where we don't really feel like explaining ourselves to people who have vacated multiple times again and again and again and again and, and gaslighted the way you're yeah. feeling as if what you're feeling is because of yeah. something that you're not doing 
yeah. versus you're feeling something's off because something's off, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I want to I want to point out another thing that within that lens of say say the mental health or suicides or they're in jail or whatever the thing is I feel like there's this this long systemic history within the community of of it's because they're off the path so the blame well, explains it you see what i'm saying how the twisted psychology of that very gaslighting is no the mental health is the issue but then like the the spiritual bypass or the light wash of that that i hear being used is almost like this un it's 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 almost something not said but it's assumed you know like oh and then even i've heard it in a few interviews of people that came on was that was their own psychology they're battling was if i make this choice that i'm feeling inside does that mean i'm wrong and then all these bad things will happen to me and like even recognizing that that inner dialogue is yeah. a part of what makes so this so abusive yeah, I think I think I can actually speak to that um, being, I you know like <laughs> it's so messed up. There's such a cruel, cruel, a very cruel part of that. That being being the blog blogger and being someone who's posted on on Facebook that started started an argument or whatever, pushed back hard or whatever um in the past it was i was literally someone in my own family literally took the time out of their day to tell me i was crazy crazy you're crazy so i'm like okay well and, and i'm so <laughs> i don't know how to respond to that also like right now i i'm like trying to do this in the most trauma-informed way possible <laughs> um and the most inclusive of neurodiversity as possible. <laughs> yeah, and, when I respond to some of these things, I'm like, how can I be as trauma-informed here? <laughs> yeah, I'm keep it trauma-informed, but... And state my mind. Have a mental, I don't have a mental illness. I am not, I, I am of sound mind. Yes, I don't consider, well, like, let's just say, if chronic PTSD, uh, not chronic, complex PTSD is a mental health disorder, I have that, but that's not mental illness. That's developmental, like that's trauma. That's so early childhood trauma. That's what that that's, is. Early, early like, childhood trauma. Let's compartmentalize here. I, I can, I'm, I can articulate my thoughts. I, I, I know where I am morally. I, I am not um crazy but i also think when somebody takes the time out of their day no matter who you are i don't care i mean i've probably done it myself when you say you're crazy they're crazy they're batshit they're off the path they don't know they're ignorant or whatever um that's also cruel because you're basically saying especially to somebody who was born and raised in this environment you're saying you're not in any you're not you're not one of us anymore you're out and because you're out you lost or whatever you 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 just don't see what i you don't see the truth the way i see the truth and i'm gonna 
I'm going to ostracize, I'm going to disparage you for that instead of show compassion. Mm-hmm. So the whole adage of that we all heard over and over again, you're, you're going to be nothing but a pros- drug addict prostitute lying in the gutter. You know, in, in a compassionate society, we take care of drug addict prostitutes lying in the gutter. We pick them up, we lift them up and we give them what they need. Mm. We give them love, we give them support. We treat them like they are human beings, like everybody else. And so just to to do, it's cruelty. It's just more ways of people being dickheads to one another and saying, I don't don't fear. it's making me uncomfortable and I'm gonna call you names. And I'm going to wield my power in whatever way I can to not include you anymore or to make you not a part of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it. so like it took me a while to kind of realize, like, first I'm like, God, they hate me so much, you know, like, oh, they're so like, what, like, what do I do to, or I got to hide. I have to run. I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't say anything. Nobody wants to hear it anyways, you know, um, mm-hmm. then realizing like, it's not uncompassionate to speak openly. It's not harming. It's the opposite. It's helpful to be clear, to be direct, to show a boundary or to say, this is the boundary, you know, and you come to the table, like say say to first generation people, if you're going to come to the table to take responsibility, then we can talk. But I am not going to just let you unburden yourself on me and then do what you've done my whole childhood. Who are your parents? Tell me who your parents are and stuff like that. Like we, they did that to me this summer. There was people demanding to know, I know they know who my parents are. So weird. (laughs) They did that to us when we were kids. I mean, everybody's identified experience it's it was a it was a broad a broad thing some marching someone marching right up to you saying who's your dad i don't know yeah and and also just that that just just be kind of like became a part of like what it meant to be a part of our culture because everybody's names and it's like oh people started to identify you through your name or people identified you know, the adult from their child and all the things, you know? And so it's like, again, it's like this interesting way you can frame it any way you want, but if you really just look at it for what it is and then the ripple effect of what it, what it causes, it's just an interesting thing. Like don't look at it through the glossy lens of what we were taught to look at. Like what, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, it's true. It's, it comes back to that that visceral tapping into that visceral feeling. Do you, do you did, did you feel comfortable when somebody walked right up to you and told you, you know, told you, tell me who your parents are? No kid wants to do that. That's not, that's not for us. That's, or that nobody knows you. And their needs. Or they don't know you. They only know you through who somebody else is. But then they're not taking the time to get to know you because what, you know, how many snap judgments were made about a kid because some, some, other adult didn't like your parents and they they projected their irritation or their their antipathy towards your parents onto you which which is how 
this stuff goes because it's so ill-informed Oh my God, so true. Like, oh yeah, you can't marry my person. You can't marry my daughter because your dad is such and such, right? And then suddenly, oh Lord, like just like the amount of soap opera drama behind the scenes with this like, you know, with this projection of like, of, of purity is just astounding to me. I mean, it's always been astounding, but knowing the level of sadistic abuse that has been there the whole time adds like a new layer of icing to that level of hip uh, it's beyond hypocrisy right it's just it's plain horrible it's, it like it, it just illustrates that children were not there for have, to have their needs met ever that we were there to fulfill other people's needs. And in a, so that's the boundary that I'm asking the second generation to, to make right now. We are not fulfilling our parent. We are not here to fulfill their needs. We have needs and, or I have needs. I'll speak for myself. I have needs. I'm not here to fulfill my parents' needs. And, and I haven't for a very long time. I also think um, the, you know, when we do get, I'm not here to fulfill people's needs who are still in 3HO in second generation. I'm not here to uh, placate whatever is keeping you or whoever from, again, planting your feet firmly on the ground and living here on planet Earth with everybody else. Um, I It's, it's, it needs to be more, it, I guess I'm sounding very vague and kind of. Yeah, know. I wish you had an example. Cause like, for instance, like you told me a story once, something about like, as a blogger, like you would write different things and then how you would get letters. Like, give us an example of like, oh, yeah. what does it mean when the first gen is crossing your boundaries or using you as emotional support or something Okay, like that. so early on, Early on in my blog, I got a email from someone. I can read the email or I could just paraphrase it. Well, I want to pause and just explain to listeners that what we're talking about, just like in a much grander scheme, is enmeshment and codependency at its finest. And so when you have a long history of, I consider our community quite incestuous, even though we weren't actually blood relative, the incestuous nature of not getting our needs met and yet that being disguised as love compassion when you're in a community where we're not actually getting basic food touch social certain levels of attachment needs being met and it's simultaneously called consciousness enlightenment purity the highest path the technology technology these things are so psychosomatically twisted that your body actually registers deep neglect as nourishing and so we don't recognize it we don't recognize it and so we actually internalize it and so we create very deep levels of self-sabotage and neglect that we don't even recognize we call like i i will own that as like levels of discipline for me of uh, certain things would show up as something i thought was really good and then i realized oh my god this just is not and so enmeshment mm -hmm. and codependency 
can seem really good because it seems like support and unconditional love and options and it seems like all these things but when you really it's seductive when you really start feeling the somatic what she's saying put your feet on the ground experience and you start really naming it and you get more trauma informed you can actually like pull apart like why this is actually actually not good at all it's just why one... is, why, whatever you're saying to me why whatever this is this is not helpful right it's, it's not, not helpful, helpful yeah. to approach your kids and tell them that you had a vision so and to supersede your vision's value more than what your child is communicating they need to you Right. And that and so over that's and the, over. Yeah. So she's going to read an example. This. So, okay. so what I would get, so the ty different types of emails, I actually don't get a lot. People don't, you know, it's low key. I would say everything is low key. It's all very, you know, it's very manageable. Um, I've gotten of the categories of email I've gotten in my private inbox. I've gotten, um, I've gotten so nothing from people with 3HO, nothing, like zero, zilch, nothing, which is perfectly fine by me. Um, I've also gotten, except for a few people, I've gotten pushback from other second gens um, who it makes them uncomfortable and they don't think what I'm doing is right um, or that I'm simply wrong or crazy or whatever. Or I've been called a bigot. I don't, I don't see my, I'm not a bigot, but I've been called a bigot by other second generation of people. By taking a firm stance, that's considered bigotry somehow. Um, anyway, well, you're taking a firm stance. Yeah, but let's also qualify. You're taking a firm stance on things, which I want to just honor, because to take a firm stance where a bunch of other people are taking a middle of the road stance, if this happens, then yeah. this. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's going back to that black and white. Like when you stand on a side, there's a stake in the ground and and there's a truth and a power to that that I want to just say we, it takes courage to come from where we come from and choose anything more than this space that everything can exist simultaneously. And that's not actually, that's not a complete stance until you feel both stances. You can't, you can't... So I just, again, I want to honor okay, okay, yeah. choosing yeah. what you are doing automatically will polarize people that aren't yet willing to feel some levels and layers of, of a reality they haven't looked at. And so you automatically well, become like, the one that's wrong. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's that hall of mirrors approach of like, you know, calling out racism, calling out racist right. policing, and then a bunch of uncomfortable suburbanites who don't know what the fuck you're talking about because they haven't been paying attention. White suburban, I say, no, you're the racist. Like, come on now, let's not, can we not? Can we not do this? Everybody? Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and this is very similar to what you're talking about in terms of like, I, I feel like first gen are unconsciously, some maybe consciously, I think you take the stance they're doing it consciously, will come and, and emotionally lean on you to explain yes. their experience right. and that's exactly the, that's what the most 
that's the most voluminous type of email I get is the explain let me, that more. Let explain me explain that. to you how more how you know, and I have I so I, I I keep everything. I've gone through all my emails, and what I've come, what I've observed in the past um, year, maybe eighteen months. Year, it's it's been about a year since the Olive Branch report came out. It's been about a year since we've been doing the we did those Zoom, the second generation went on calls, council Zoom meetings, stuff like that. Um, that that uh, that I realized. I'm looking back at things from a decade ago or more and saying, wow, there's still the same people who emailed me then who still say the same stuff. Now, 10 years later, there's not, there's been no growth. There's been, there's been no growth in that, in the no learning curve. No, no, like, I don't want to say lack of growth. Like, I don't want to say like, like digging a hole per se, but no growth, no, no open, no further openness and no personal, no demonstration that very little demonstration that, that personal lives are getting more on track and more together, you know, more just, just, just together in terms of being able to pay, you know, pay your bills and meet and have ends be meeting and things like that, that there seems to be kind of like a, a boomer what i see is this like boomer stagnation kind of where people are kind of set in their ways and um you know just because you're a certain age does not mean you don't stop need to stop growing but you do have to put down the new ageism for a little while and you know <laughs> like pay your bills save for your retirement what and whatever <laughs> i'm being pithy um, but I, I really want to stay on this point of it's like when white people don't even know that they're going to black people to explain to them the thing that they don't even know that they're doing. And so black people have said, no, no, you don't get to come to us for, that we do enough emotional free labor. We're not going to explain to you the thing you should have been knowing. And you don't get to just be like, oh, I didn't know. No, it's it's been in the rest. Of his, it's it's available for you to know. There's Go find out. Everywhere. Yeah, so, you can check and, out and, library books. You can So you can this is watch this is a hard this is a hard thing for white people to hear sometimes, yet some wake up out of their stupor and start self-educating. And I hear that that's what you're saying as a line of first gen. Like, I'm not there. You, you're you there, but you've been on this side of things, naming things longer. I feel like you've been examining trauma and in your relationship to the community and relationship to trauma-informed things longer. So okay. your ability to take a stance in a way and set a boundary it's it's helpful to witness because what you're what i hear you saying is first gen come to you and basically are puking up their experience to get some sort of like let me explain why my situation is so unique and la 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 la, la. and then you realize there ain't nothing unique about that sweetie that you're like blam 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 and and you're they like want you and so you yeah keep going because i mean when you said this to me it blew my mind like it woke me up to being like oh well, i think you've experienced a lot of that firsthand in the past year or two um that you've probably had a larger so it it does it does have a deleterious 
first gen, you're, you're having a deleterious effect because you're making all, you're making second generation people not want to come out and talk because you don't, you think it's for you and it, it's not for you. It's so you can dot, dot, dot. Um, you well, know, say that I, again, say that again. It's not for you. It's so you can dot, dot, dot. So Sunny calls uh, Sunny, who um, I, I was in my class growing up, wrote that in her, she wrote it on Beyond the Cage. She wrote, I'm inviting you in. This is so you can learn, right? This is so you can dot, dot, dot. It, she, it took her, it took her, I don't want to speak for her because I don't even, you know, we don't talk, we don't know each other anymore. We're all coming off on a lot of assumptions too about each other but it from what i got just from the face of things i got this is extremely difficult to do this is extremely re-traumatizing this is not what i want to be doing right now what i want to be doing right now is tending to my life my current life my state of affairs i want to be saving for my retirement i want to be you know active and and exercising i want to be doing anything but this and but i'm taking the time out to do this because it needs to be done um which you know i think there are also personal reasons for doing stuff which is is i think i'm not gonna um i'm just gonna say that's very oh it's totally okay natural understandable that there would be a like a little kernel of yearning inside of you to be seen and heard too inside of all of us to be seen and heard and appreciated and so sometimes we go to places that maybe aren't ready for us you know we go and we say this happened um because we 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 do want to be seen and heard we do want to be recognized we do want to be appreciated so um but it is also that it is so that people can come to the table and have a frame of reference of understanding how it was for us and how it wasn't it wasn't spiritual i think that's the that's the closest word i can come up with to describe how it was banal you know like feral, feral child groomed into someone's future wife or a secretary, et cetera, et cetera, is actually, it's, it's uh, oppressive and banal, it's banal oppression. It's the day-to-day -day drudgery and there isn't upliftment in it. It's there isn't a feeling of getting euphoric from satanama, whatever. I don't know. You know, like it's not. There isn't. I there isn't a euphoria with it. It's drudgery. It's crap. It's shit. It's 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 like wading through sewage or something. It's not. So I think for our generation to come forward and say, we're not here to talk about the technology and the upliftment and the the woo-woo, the, the stuff, because to, to us, it wasn't that. It was very real. 
it, even the even the moments of uh, upliftment that I experienced personally uh, didn't come from 3HO, you know, like they didn't, they came from maybe they came from the, the, uh, the, the generosity of the, the little tiny, uh, Gurdwaras and Punjab that had nothing, but still came out and gave us longer when we just showed up, you know, you know, like it was those, there was upliftment. There was a feel, there were feelings of, of, uh, you know, connectedness, I guess, but it, it's, you know, I still don't like to use the word spiritual because it didn't feel like a spiritual awakening of any kind. And so we're trying to like say, we're trying to say the, the groundedness of our experience is what matters here. So we're not, we're, we're asking, take, remove the visions for a little while. And then, so when, then, it doesn't take two seconds later to somebody somebody come up and unburden themselves about the vision they had. I had a dream about YB, and this is blah, 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 as if we should all be feeling a little bit. I had a nightmare about YB. <laughs> Do you know how many times some sort of person came up to us and told us our whatever, whatever, right? Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, yeah, like, it, it is very strange and inappropriate given like if you look at it from the lens of just social dynamics you know like i'm sorry um the the uh the way here i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna read this and say the reason why i'm reading this is because it illustrates what we're talking about better than what we can talk about for another 45 minutes or whatever. Okay. Okay. So okay. this is an example of a letter that Naranka received as a writer of a blog called Rishi Knots, and a first generation parent wrote this to her. This is the context. Okay. So I'm going to skip past the beginning. Um, so this is a parent of they had two kids and they were around the same time that I was at GNFC school. If you are part of that troop, you, that troop meaning that era, you will know that my son seemed to be particularly targeted by Nanak Dave as a badass in need of discipline. I am now somewhat ashamed of my complicity with his agenda, some, but at the time, I believe that my son needed a firm male hand. Two years later, the winter and literally begged me not to send him back, saying that he was regularly beaten by Mr. Sony at GNFC, among other things. I hauled him to the ashram to talk with Yogi Bhajan, who compared school in India to the Lakota Sundance, a rite of passage to manhood. Despite my son's pleas, I sent him back, only to receive a phone call a month or so later that he had been expelled and was returning home to LA. He apparently was not going to put up and shut up any longer. Of course I was upset, but I also clearly remember a vision I had at the time. The image was that of a medieval torture device that was a sarcophagus with nails all over the inside 
and my son was escaping the possibility that he would be placed in with the door shut on him. That vision, which arose from a deep space inside, along with other knowings that emerged over the next few years, were formative in my eventual decision to leave 3HO. And then they wanted to know who I was. What's your name? I'm still, and then told me they moved from Yogi Bhajan to some kind of Buddhist thing and etc. Some spiritual blah blah. Okay, so that's so so what's wrong with this picture? So much, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, <laughs> A child, oh. I think 12 at the most. I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. About 12 years old, maybe is saying they're beating me. They're bullying. Me. They're hurting me. I want to come home. I don't want to do this anymore. What happens? They get marched up to Yogi Bhajan and Yogi Bhajan says, some bullshit and forces him to backtrack and overruled. He says, overruled, mom, you got to send him back. And so he sends him back and eventually gets in, gets in enough uh, trouble, let's call it, but you know, um, enough times running away from school or whatever he was doing um, to be expelled from the school itself and have to come home and instead of just listening to him saying they're hurting me i don't like it there i want to come home she is relying on a superstitious apparition that he's being tortured when he is being tortured he is being tortured he told you that with his own words. He totally used his words, telling it, but she overrules him, overruled again, because I saw an Iron Maiden in, you know, but you can't listen to Iron Maiden because Iron Maiden's bad. Yeah. I'll said that too. <laughs> anyway, you know, it just, it's so narcissistic. It's so, so self-involved and it is not the only one. Don't think that, not every sing that every single one of our parents has done something along those lines to to say you know um overruled i'm marching you up to yogi bhajan and yogi bhajan overrules we have to do it anyway we have to we have to be the ones to eat shit and then we don't you know and then they had they later see the light but they don't they say i never knew there were how many times did I see on those Zoom calls last year? I never knew people who I fucking knew knew. Mm. We all knew knew. So yeah, we gotta something's gotta give here because I feel like I'm yelling into an empty well. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're making really great points, and it really is helping pierce my own veil of. The thing I'm learning more and more about complex PTSD is that when you're, it's like the frog syndrome. When you, if you put a frog into cold water 
and then turn up the heat on the water, the frog won't jump out. It'll just slowly die because it doesn't, the temperature changes over time. But if you put the frog into hot water, the frog will just jump right out because it can. Okay. And it's the same, isn't that crazy? That's poor frog. Poor frog. But what I'm trying to say is that there's so much marinating of tolerating abusive processing, abusive narcissistic gaslighting language disguised as spirituality, enlightenment, and all the things, words you give it. Like, you have great words for um, new age bullshit, whatever the things are, you name it. Like, it's important because essentially what you just named was oh gosh let me let me share my complicity i'm just waking up to realizing but then i had a vision and then that's happening now people in these the facebook groups are currently they'll be like oh my god it's so horrible thank goodness we're all waking up to the shadow that's existed and let me share a vision about blah 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 and it's like no 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 we don't, we don't need we don't want to hear anything about what you have to say because you it, it wasn't just yb you too are a part of creating the culture that has allowed this to carry on and it's not enough to just be like oh my god and then to all self-validate each other because that's just repeating the same narcissistic gaslighting tendencies and then kicking out people that have a position that says no what you're saying is not okay because you're not listening to my, to the experience that's not what you're sharing yes no i yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> i mean <laughs> and and i think one of the things that's mobilized and also caused you know uh, the the you know i i think that the the divergent experiences of people who join 3HO willingly through whatever circumstances that took place. Like, I'm not saying it's all, I'm not saying that it, I'm not saying there isn't a level of coerciveness and manipulation that gets somebody feeling like they can't leave a cult or that they're in a cult and those beliefs matter more than anything else. Like, I'm not saying that there's not a mind fuck with all that but it is um fundamentally different and and needs to the distinction does need to be made between people who um are raised in it and the people who, who chose it um and uh so when you know it's sometimes i think like our i would say like our concerns and this has been happening if if people are interested the international cultic studies association for a really long time um has has kind of just swirled around you know if i can be critical about it it's been a it's a wonderful they're wonderful people they're good they 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 matter they do good work but for the longest time um the experts have kind of swirled around um with the phenomenon of like co sort of the convert convert kind of uh the people who join um high demand groups um and with a really not insufficient lens on the people who were raised in groups who were kind of you know honestly i i've been paying attention to this stuff for a really long time and 
the the funny thing is it not the it's the kind of the annoying part of it is that we're kind of seen as like um hapless sniveling like permanent children when the opposite is kind of true we are we were people who had to grow up goddamn fast and our parents are acting like dependents <laughs> and so we've it's been take it's still taking a lot of work for people even in the broader sense of cult studies and cult uh, scholar scholarship around high demand groups to really adequately address what happens with people who are born and raised um because it is fundamentally there is a fundamental distinction and yet it actually hasn't been studied sufficiently so basically the way we get the our treatment is kind of revolves around complex post-traumatic stress and other developmental issues that that come up around having to basically be your own advocate from childhood on and um kind of you know you developing such a toughness Tough around life drink. that it doesn't mm -hmm. you don't quite get to be vulnerable at times and and mm -hmm. you know like a total adapter adapting to any situations and a whole identity around the power of adaptation like what yeah. you talked about the chameleon thing I, yeah, I thought being, that was so being fascinating able to, being able to adapt but that's not exactly you know you don't wish that on somebody really and as much as it's a strength, it's 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 so lonely. It, it essentially isn't meeting very deep levels of our humanity that we haven't, you know, as a as a high demand group group of kids say we didn't even know that was possible. Like I look at some and I'm just kind of like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. no, <laughs> you just don't even know. <laughs> deer in the oh, uh, is that safe like how i've had to recognize how regulated i am to chaos and how regulated i am to uncertainty and and that yeah, while yeah. that's amazing and it makes me a great traveler and it makes me really great mm -hmm. to kind of go in and out of culture and it also is profoundly lonely because it mm -hmm. isn't actually letting people into my interior where i really want the most amount of intimacy right mm -hmm. and so i had to unlearn i had to kind of pay attention to working with my nervous system in a new way to let it to create new definition of safety because my recognition what my my nervous system recognized as safety wasn't safe it was unsafe right and it can it can lead through to you know like like this is where the second generation can do a profound amount of good by validating um you know those reckless behaviors that all of us have fallen into over because of that tough that tough shell as a, that's right as a developmental response to yeah. the, these patterns so for for me uh you know like i definitely went through a you know like there's nothing i there's nothing i like whatever i you know i in my 20s i was definitely like wild 
wild, wild and out. I wasn't getting in fights with people or anything. And I wasn't, you know, there were certain things that I wasn't, that I was able to like control with my wilding out, but I was, I was, oh, you know, and I still kind of look on it and say, that was, that was probably good for me. You know, it was probably good to be wilding out for a little while and doing my graffiti and, you know, all that and stuff is fun and good. And, and, you know, met a lot of, a lot of other feral kids who didn't grow up in cults too and kind of bonded with the had an affinity with with kind of the alternative kids scene or whatever but um you know if i had a kid in if i had a kid who wanted to wild out who wanted to go out and um paint trains and whatnot um i would i would probably be the mom who (laughs) waited for them in my parked car like (laughs) you know like or like, you know, my husband, like he, when he went to concerts and stuff, his parents picked him up at the end of the night and gave him some freedom and then they were there for him. And, um, you know, so, so when, you know, like it's kind of like to be, so one thing we can do for each other is validate those, those tendencies and not, not say that those are bad or good not qualify anything like try to try to be super like um yeah i can see how you would gravitate i would see how you'd like that i could see how that could feel good i can see how that would feel good you know what i mean like i can see and i can see how that might hurt or something like even if if like on the maybe on the i'm thinking like a psychosocial dynamic of like the the second gen group where for a moment last year, there might've been a little more calling out of some bullying, bullying that we did to each other. Of course we bullied each other, Jesus Christ. I mean, look at us um, to, to, to it's, it doesn't help to run from that to, it doesn't help to say that wasn't me. I didn't have, that's not my fault. No, it's to say, ah, I can really, I can see how, I can really see how that that would be super weird and gross and awful at the time for you, you know, you know, being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes, say, I can see how that would suck. You know, I'm, I wouldn't do it today if I had a chance, if I could go back and do it differently. Um, But like we, it's been so difficult to have like a, a, a boomer generation ahead of us or whatever age they are failing so hard at taking responsibility that that's been modeled for us for for such a long time and we actually think not taking responsibility protects us when one of the best things you we can do in our lives is to learn how to eat shit once in a while oh man i that's my bad i fucked up i'm so sorry you know it actually feels really good you can do it you can try it um you could try it in your daily life when you're late for work. You or like you can try it. Mm, I don't know. Once in a while, with, with small things where people where you feel safe, you might be with somebody who you feel safe with, who isn't gonna browbeat you to the end of the earth because or give you up. advice or judge when you grow up and all we've ever heard was either advice or getting judged yeah then we actually don't know how to just hold somebody in their experience and like what you're mm-hmm. saying is just saying yeah. wow i can't even imagine yeah 
It's taken yeah. me a long time to not automatically default to giving advice. Like they didn't fucking ask my advice. And yet we grew, you know, this was just spewed. Well, the Akashic records, well, I had a vision. Well, blah, 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 you know? And so we almost spew these kind of like conscious spiritual ideologies that, again, aren't rooted in just humanity, in the humanity. That's acting as if that's that's died in the wool. It's not. It's some someone's made up stuff made it up not that long ago you know it's like you know, or that's their experience but who asked you to offer it here that's not yeah. a part of this that doesn't even yeah. add value yeah. and i'm glad you think it adds value but how how does it add value you know it, it might it, it makes them feel good and that's an interesting point you brought up. And I found, again, this fascinating and a piercing of my veil is I realized, wow, I automatically just tolerate way more than I think is good. And um, you and don't you go to bed and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> but in, in, in not just in relation to, say, first and second gen, but you give me a good lens for that because, wow, just like. You know, like, no, we shouldn't have to explain this to you. But the fact that you're still categorizing it into a light washing, neutral language or just putting it into the YB's fault camp automatically is showing, wow, what level of responsibility are you taking for 20, 30, 40 years of your life of non-self-examination and non-self-awareness when the yoga you've been practicing is called the yoga of awareness? You are the adult. You. So if you were the caretaker enough to take care of me when I was five, then you have to start owning that fully. And so like you're talking out loud that that's a narcissistic quality. Can you talk more about that? Because you're essentially they're recentering their own story as a way to kind of Mm -hmm. get an okay pass that says, oh, it's okay that you didn't know all those years. Mm-hmm. Can you paint well, this narcissistic lay like you name it in a way that like hit me was I think like I name it so blunt. I think it's like been very difficult for me not to be super blunt, but I tend to look at every person in 3HO <laughs> with some level of narcissism on some kind of spectrum on some kind of spectrum it's it's not you know everybody's different everybody does things differently um but of of a navel gazing that is very self-serving and um it the the most difficult thing about that is that it's almost you know for some it's okay you know it's tolerable but others it's um it's doesn't you can't penetrate with reason and logic and even begging and pleading you can't get anywhere so like it's it is like a wall sometimes you know these these personality disorders or even if it's mild it's it's something that built puts a real wall between understanding and and full-on uh let's call it reconciliation since they have that in in there in their language now um that 
that it's still having to enter into someone else's hall of mirrors and say and and agree to absurdities just to be heard a tiny bit it's it is it's called being you know there's a great book it's called trapped in the mirror and so it's when you know when when you're in a narcissistic abuse kind of relationship and there there is that kind of dynamic if you if you get caught in you get trapped in their mirror you get trapped in their world you serve their needs you you come you come to them they don't they they won't come to the table they won't not make it about themselves and so you know like they can there can even be some covertness where there's a an instance um where one of the one of the ex like wacko world people who's been around in that he and he was even quoted in um that the article that stacy stukin wrote last year um and he said hearing those zoom calls i it was like i was hit by a train um and and at the same time there's a like no one like we're not trying to hit you with a train yo we're trying to make you step aside and see so i think it's it feels hard because it feels there is there is a tendency to to kind of label everybody oh well, he, oh he's just oh he's just so self-involved oh they won't get it oh they're narcissists so let's just write them off that's not what i'm doing here i'm saying it it is an uphill it might keep you trapped in that mirror in perpetuity for second gens that you we also become a little bit caught up in that cycle of behavior where we might even become a little bit narcissistic ourselves in order to just kind of keep up with that momentum um and so it is you know i hate to say it it's about having that super hard boundary and saying i'm not gonna i'm not gonna enter your world you know like it that's not necessary for me to it's not my job to heal you i've done the edu we've done the educational work at this point we've told our stories everybody told it on zoom last year or as many people who were wanted to wanted to and allowed to were invited to come and the stuff they said was next level psychos just i can't even you know i can't i was like i was screaming my head off after three hours going i cannot take another minute of this but it's like we didn't do that for nothing we didn't do that to keep getting trapped in someone's someone else's story like we have so uh, it sounds like i'm labeling everybody maybe i kind of am it sounds like i'm making broad sweeps which i kind of am but it's a dynamic that doesn't seem to want to shift unless it gets shifted kind of by by force in a way like it actually has to be dismantled and people who want to continue equivocating light washing spiritual bypassing 
or even phony baloney reconciliation stuff are just going to have to um, be on their merry way in my book. Um, and, you know, I guess it's like peace out. Like, yeah, kind of like, like a don't, don't make this all for nothing. Don't, I don't know. Like it does sometimes feel a little bit all for nothing, but at the same time, like I do super appreciate people coming forward. And I hope that one of the reasons why things are mellow these days is that, um, or somewhat mellow is that people are getting therapy and going, Oh yeah, that's what it takes. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully we've inspired them to be in therapy and that's where the silence is. Right. <laughs> I, I, there's a couple of things I need to see. Yeah. Yes. There's a couple of things I need to I need to see for um, first generation boomers, especially holding you guys in a spot, all of y'all. Um, okay, we need we need public apologies from the people who were guides in India. They're still alive. They live in Espanola. They're paying attention. I know. Where the fuck are they? They've never said shit. Okay, so ever, ever, not since 30 years, never, 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 no, okay. They just went, they just disappeared into the whatever and never had a full look at what that meant. There were even people saying, can kind of looking at their experience in India in the same way as our experience in India. That pissed me off. I was like, no, you, no, 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 no. You did not do this. You did not. You were not eight years old. I. Oh, when and, I see uh, that happen, they write about their nostalgic, spiritual, amazing experience and connection to India, which yeah. makes the whole, all yeah. of it worth it or something. I'm like. We're a tourist. We were children. <laughs> and. Yes, I even saw, I, when I see comments is when my hair ran. <laughs> oh, then somebody comes in with their vision to say, so that we can all land and then, still take oh, the technology, now, even though there was vision. so much shadow. Um, the, <laughs> the, uh, the next is, you know, I was only on Beyond the Cage very briefly, but I do know there were other um, second gens on there as well feeling exhausted and I combed through I'm just gonna say I excavated as much as I could I didn't see anybody a lot of people have taken the veil off a lot of people have taken off the blinders or whatever you're that's you you're the veil and the other people are the blinders so the a lot of people have taken the blinders off but hmm, how did none of them send their kids to India where are where you know there's there no you need to say i did this i chose this for my child i sent my kid to india it was a lot of not me not me i didn't do it i only did xyz like it's like no like if there's hundreds of second generations who had to go to boarding school in india maybe if not i mean i what's the number like thousand maybe or something i don't know um then there's obviously two parents for every one of those kids where are they why didn't they say anything 
about just say like I sent my kids to India it was wrong to do I don't recommend it um I asked specifically asked my own mother a year ago I said I can't believe that school is still there I can't believe what's why you know what do you are you looking at the stories happening about this school what's going what are you kidding me you know and I was like a lot of this stuff you you're I've been living my life I don't know until someone says it out loud until someone tells me and then I'm like I'm like hitting the roof again in a in a state and I'm like I can't believe it's still there what's going on why is she go you know ah, I don't think it should be I'm not I'm not for boarding school I saw what it did to you guys I don't think it should be there anymore i said well why don't she goes and then a whole bunch of people in the ashram also feel that way and i'm like well why don't you say something and i said can i depend on you to form a group that calls for the shutdown of this boarding school will you do that for me and it was i think the answer was a very non-committal maybe um which means no probably i don't know i haven't followed up because i'm just like i don't want to follow up on something that i kind of know the answer to already um if anybody hears of a group in espanola that's calling for the shutdown of midi pity academy fill me in i'd be curious to know if such a thing exists um but you know it's like that cult goes back to what you've pointed out so many times of the culture of silence of not wanting to be the it's not, not wanting to be the buzzkill. Right, exactly. Not wanting to be the buzzkill. And also where this gets very infused is that because we have such um, incestuous relationships, it, it's, we, you know, one person speaking out influences a ripple effect into other families and friends that we love. And nobody mm-hmm. wants to disrupt yep. somebody else. Yep. And so we yeah. stay silent as almost a noble way to not be the disruptor. But, you know, what if your freedom and what if truth lives under the disruption? Not not in the, the, the neutrality of pretend it doesn't exist. Because as children, if we grow up watching things happening and then no adult talks about it ever, then what we learn is to not trust our instincts and our own body and so these things aren't things that we uniquely struggle with if i learned anything in the last year it's we collectively have very deep-seated complex ptsd issues around trust attachment communication honesty truth telling lots of other things that aren't our fault the more if you are raised in the more that's enmeshed in you those that came in you chose to stay in a stupor on some level and yes i understand trauma and that your brain actually may not remember right now but you can still do the necessary things to start recalling and owning and take responsibility and apologize and stop projecting and gaslighting when things that are spoken make you uncomfortable because that is such a normal we have these narcissistic qualities in us because we grew up in it we grew up and 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 like i see i see I've got to give credit. I see our generation doing an incredible amount of excavating 
because we do want to live in the world, the most of us. I do think that I do have hope. I do have hope, but we also are not interested in enlisting ourselves to care for the uh, uh, 80-year-old parents who did not want to pay attention to what's happening in their lives, right? They're going to be 80. They're going to be 90. And, you know, I... I don't think nursing homes in India are necessarily on the table, but you know, we don't want, we don't, we don't want to be there. We don't want to be caught. We, we actually, a lot of us are just beginning to start to feel like we're living our lives growing up. It, t- it is, it, there's been a delayed adolescence yes. for sure. That might be that wild and out. That might be that and it might be worth it. It might, it, it's going to happen, but it's, you know, it's okay. I just want to say it's all okay. It doesn't come with judgment. And um, trauma healing's okay. Whatever right. stage you're in is okay. Absolutely, like we're yeah. not putting any person down at whatever stage, but recognize it as stages of trauma. Not wanting to look at the dark shit and painful things is very normal because who wants to unearth a stab yeah. that didn't heal properly, you no, know? Then when, you know, when, when I say, okay, when I say, look, there, look, the boarding school is being, that whole situation was really, really harmful in the end for someone like me. I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay, but it is harmful regardless. doesn't matter what the outcome is. The act of it is harmful. And, and then to have a parent come back and say, well, I had a hard childhood too. And then oh. you're like, wait, what? Like, no, uh-uh. Don't do so that. Like, you chose an even worse one. Or it was hard for us too. No, it wasn't. You guys got to go to the movies. You guys got to eat pizza. We did. We ate bugs, rice with bugs in it. Okay, but pause. Even just to come back and say, but this is too. Let me tell you about my upbringing. Like, like what? what is so, I want to put it back into the black-white context because mm-hmm. it's so hard to understand why that's not okay. Like, mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. are then, as children, we are then charged to be the compassionate ones. And I see so many second gen staying in silence because it's almost as if their story isn't valid or valuable enough. As if there's, as if there's hierarchies of trauma. Exactly. And these things, I can recognize them as symptomatic of the total culture we come from because as the more and more we excavate and, and do trauma work, we can see that like, oh my God, like, no, that's not okay. Like your story in any capacity, good and bad, and all the things in between is so important. But it speaks to when when you have such early detachment and there's such early vacating, we don't mm-hmm. hold a mm-hmm. really important essential self as valuable. And yes. that is not something that we did ourselves and that's not yeah. unique to you. And any one of us that have been born into this culture has to yeah. know this, that complex PTSD is really all about reclaiming this essential self when yeah. basic, basic needs 
developmental needs were not met. And, and so almost this, eating them, like it, it sounds really like it's this, I hope this doesn't come across as like a panacea or an advice or anything like that, but taking that time to, to meet those early needs. And even like, I am, I'm an intellectualizer. I, I, I intellectualize a lot. So I have to pull back and almost, this is going to sound, this is going to be very vulnerable right now. And I'm going to sound a little people make your judgments, whatever. I don't care. No, <laughs> I, I sometimes, and, and I do this with the help of my therapist. So I'm not just out there hanging out there dangling. I'm very supported. I sometimes I talk to myself like I'm a little kid. Me too. I'm actually talking to my inner and outer critic, and this is a part of therapy. It's a part it's, of us retraining. Internal family systems yes. kind of style therapy, and it, it it and because I'm such a hyper, my brain moves really fast. My my I'm really good with words. I know I can articulate all that stuff. I can tend to kind of bypass the feelings happening inside of me, the 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 real like the kind of. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Almost like pre-verbal. I call it a default. Like, so it's, it's kind of like pulling back. And I have a little, um, just to get a little bit into if this is helpful at all, I have a little, a little, oh, it's kind of like sand tray therapy, but it's, I just use little Lego pieces and each one has their own um, like little part. They're assigned little parts. So I have like graffiti kid and the like the helper the the manager all the these placator the, mm -hmm. yeah like the the scared one you know they, right. even there's there's like a lego figure that has like a scared face so they're you know and a fighter and then a little one and sometimes i just hold the little one close to me and don't say anything i don't talk at all i don't or I'll say, what do you want to do? Do you want color today? Or, you know, it's like really like. Kind what of do you need stuff. to eat? We can eat anything you want. <laughs> are you hungry? Are you, you know, like, like people didn't come up to us saying, are you, do you want a treat? Are you hungry? Do you want something? What's wrong? Oh my God. I know. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm learning a part of my nervous system now that is, is showing how much I'm regulated to just a state of hunger. And, yes. and, and it, it's, but it's not even just food hunger. Like what I'm learning about, about what it means to like reclaim ourselves from really deep places of developmental trauma um, is, is that it's like, wow, we're starved for affection, starved for love, starved for connection. And I don't know how to let myself have it. So it's, it's like, because it's not my system, right. Deprivation, you, you, you're regulated and unsafety so it's weird to relearn it because it is quite slow you can be like what do you want to eat today and i didn't know that that could send me into a mental trigger that actually makes me in a state of not feeling anything so then i'm actually not hungry so oh, then okay. so it's such a, and so i think and i'm not saying that's unique for me i guess what i'm saying is it touches what you're talking about mm -hmm. around these like really developmental needs of attachment mm -hmm. and what does it mean to reclaim parts parts need different expressions part need mm -hmm. parts need different responses and if we didn't get them from the adults in our life and we are out there seeing that people are still responding in a very similar way to 1984 which shows you're not 
advancing that much in your spiritual development, perhaps. 1984, right? the book, or 1984, the event? No, I don't mean either. Oh, I just, year, just the general. I just mean like what, what you commented on around watching people respond a decade later very similarly oh, saying, oh, right. I didn't know. So like I see the same language that I remember from the 80s happening as if people aren't advanced like but how come as a kid if i picked that up you had to know it too there's just a part of you that doesn't remember so I mean, as I, I mean it's it's hard because like i that's that that goes back to what i would like to see in terms of responsibility now i don't need to see it. i don't need to see it to for it to happen so i don't need to be on a message board or a group or even on instagram or facebook to know that that people are being heard and helped and seen but so for so for the our boomer parents to to take baby steps towards learning how to take responsibility there's some really easy there's some ways to say yeah to, to own up to say yeah i sent my kid to india um it was wrong not to say i think they had a good time which sent me through the roof how many time. people are saying that i think they did okay no no, no. well you actually weren't there so you know, you can't just holistically say, you know, overall and a lot of, and so for, so second generations, you don't need to protect your parents' feelings. You don't need to protect them. If they collapse on you, that's on them. That's not on you. That's, that, that's on them. And uh, first generation, you can, you can take baby steps towards taking responsibility by saying, yes, this is something I chose. I now see it to be X, Y, Z. And what, you know, don't ask me what you're supposed to be doing. I will, I will do better. I will, I will, I will open up my retirement account today. Even if it's late, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go, I'm going to see, we need to see people in therapy. Even if you're 75, start, don't wait, don't wait, don't wait till you're 95. This is what I say about exercise too, with anybody in the world. I don't, you know, you can, if you've been sedentary in your life, let's just use that as an analogy. Okay. Cause like, you know, my sister's a trainer, I'm a body worker. We work on health, body health a lot. Um, that it doesn't matter how sedentary you've been up to this point, you can start any time. There isn't, there's not a window that opens and closes for people to, get the help to do the things that they need to be doing to better themselves to kind of start to see, oh yeah, it is hard to take responsibility. It hurt. It actually hurts sometimes. It hurts. It sucks. It's not a fun place to be. This is not a fun place to be, but maybe, oh, actually I feel, I feel a little better now. I, that wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. And, and that's the reality of learning how to take ownership of who you, who the choices you've made in life that nobody's going to come and chop your head off it, but it's not, it actually is super soothing. And they say that with trauma, the thing about trauma is that especially childhood or any, let's say any, it doesn't have to be childhood, any kind of trauma, uh, the trauma happens right and that's a traumatic event um the follow-up to the trauma is also part of that trauma 
So if, if you're taken care of, if you're, if you're seen and recognized and validated for having endured that trauma, if there's somebody to say, I'm, I have you now, you're safe, you're with me, I believe you, I'm going to do everything in my power to make it right. If there was an injustice, say, you know, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to help you or, you know, and so that's part two of the trauma. If there is, no, you didn't, that happened for a reason. Everything happened. It's God's will. Um, what was it when little Navjiwan died? She was supposed to die. Okay, so that extends the trauma that just pushes it, that actually grows instead of minimizing, not minimizing, instead of instead of making packing it in and helping to contain that individual experience, it it expands it, it grows, it becomes like a bubble in your body that just gets bigger and bigger when because you we are social, we we are social animals and we need social interaction we need heart to heart talk you know we need to be seen we need to be heard we need to be loved we need to be hugged all that stuff so when you don't get that stuff after something traumatic happens it actually makes the trauma worse it exacerbates things um so you know i think that kind of talk speaks to there it's never too late to show up with some what they call institutional courage and show that it matters, that people matter, this matters. It wasn't all for a reason. God, it's not God's will. It was my actions in a, in a, uh, adversely affected your life. Um, and you might find, someone might find that it, feels for the person to actually take that responsibility it feels it might feel better it might feel okay you're not gonna you're no one's gonna push you off a cliff if you say those words but i haven't heard those words said i haven't i mean and that's where the a lot of the argument happens though i've heard it said i don't know i i've been paying attention and i haven't seen that said I, I haven't seen that said, I can see how my actions adversely affected your life. Well, speak up if you said that and I haven't heard it, you know, <laughs> not you. But. No, I understand. No, you're, you're speaking it out to this, to this. Yeah. I'm making group, a broad call but I also, action. Yeah. I just think it's such, so important. I think what you're framing is really important. You're just saying, no, let's put a pause in this role. Let's put a pause and let's let's get clear. You know, what does this mean? How do we make the correction? And it starts inside. It starts with acknowledgement, like just plain acknowledgement mm -hmm. and choosing to say, I was a part of the trauma and I'm not going to carry this forward. I'm not going to keep re-traumatizing yes. unconsciously because of my ignorance, because I keep spewing the same thing that has mm -hmm. been spewed to me and I haven't done any work to actually lay underground it. In yeah. reality, I'm still, I'm still spewing teachings as spiritual wisdom as if that's supposed to advance any of us forward when really right it's caused it's, a lot of abuse uh, yeah it's 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 on each of us to decide i guess and you know like i do think that hopeful i'm hoping that the fewer and fewer the, the smaller and smaller this 
pond gets, the less this culture of abuse gets advanced in the world. But for each kid that gets sent off to boarding school is a dice roll on someone's life. Mm. A life that matters. And I, you know, I really think about, you know, some of the interviews we did with the, the younger generations of our generations and that, you know, we're in like the D block or midi pity or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was so much language for so long through the nineties and two thousands, you know, but it's, it's different now. It's different now. It's different now. These kinds of things. And it, you know, I just find it so fascinating that this first 30 years of absolute things not good money laundering all these things that are exposing that were absolutely known along the way but you know kind of gleaming the good instead of talking about the bad was the road and then because of that amplified on steroids a bully culture that was not only repeating what we knew happened at gnfc that never got discussed and then amplified. And so I love that you take a stance of exactly the shut it down. You know, I just value you having the courage to know exactly what that stance is and calling people out on really naming it for what it is because it's important. There, What I see more is people trying to say, well, if this is acknowledged and this is acknowledged and this happens and this happens, then I think it could be good. Well, while that's wonderful, these things aren't happening. What's happening is more silence, a bulldoze forward as if everything's okay, and nothing's changing. So if we don't look at the reality of what's taking place, the if-then isn't a stance. It's not neutrality. That is not neutrality it's called light washing it's saying nothing happens let's give it to yb let's meditate on it and maybe it'll change no we have 50 years of showing not only will it change but it will systemically repeat itself in predatory ways that are amplified to what yb there'll be glorifications and also revisionist history so what I've noticed in oh the midi pity generation, say the age group of they're hitting their, they might be hitting their thirties at this point from the people I've talked to is that my cohort who then became their teachers revised things just so, so that GNFC would seem worse then Midi Pity, GRD, Midi Pity Academy. Oh, GNFC was a hellhole. Midi Pity Academy is really nice. Okay. Glorification. So when, you know, there were, there was someone who I sat down with on the phone for a while and explained to her what our day-to-day life was like at GNFC. And it was, it's really hard to be like, well, okay. So yes, it, it was, it was like a jail. It was like living in prison you know, it's institutional um, in, in, you know, it's institutional and it's in India. And so it's rife for all kinds of manners of fucked up shit to happen. Um, but here's what our day-to-day life was like and how vastly different and more secular it was um, kind of, I think in a way it kind of, hopefully, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but hopefully it kind of helped her 
see that there were some stuff that we were actually spared of that helped us kind of get out into the world and not be dependent on the yoga stuff. But that's, that's not happening now. You mean that's like, that's not, there's more yoga, there's more yoga, there's more new ageism, there's humanology. Can we all just stop for a moment? Come on now. You're going to, you cannot enroll in a university with a humanology class credit ever. It is not a subject. It's made up. (laughs) Some made up shit. Humanities. Go to college, study the humanities if you want. You'll see the difference. That's all I can say. God damn it. <laughs> but also, yeah. you know, that say yogic practices are used as discipline and, uh, yes. you know, as, and so that automatically, just historically, like being hit when meditating, associating these things, it's an over association into discipline and not feeling mm-hmm. ourselves. It, it's, mm-hmm. again, it's, it's being wrapped up into the culture. I found that fascinating too. Right. It's, it's part now it's, and it's a requirement of graduating from that school, right. which is on pause. And let's just say permanently shut it down. I'm not going to take that back. And I would like to see our parents' generation one, speak up about that. I have not. Nobody. I, it don't talk about the boarding school. And that is the biggest, biggest problem with this cult is that there's a far they're warehousing children in another country that they're abducting children from home and warehousing them in another country where they have no rights no rights no bodily rights come on (laughs) there are so 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 many children that have not spoken up and hold a tremendous amount of pain inside. And I, I've, um, I, I, I've, I've reached out. I know that there's just not a level of safety for, for a lot of second gen to come forward right now. That it's, it's, no. it's the culture is just not yet safe to, to bring these stories forward. And I just want to acknowledge you. We, I know you're out there and I want you to know that breaking this silence and sharing what took place for you in these experiences we want to create space to support you in that you know yeah or just write to me and tell me and i'll tell you what to do because there's a way there's a way out of this and that's all i'm going to say right now um the other thing so have you we've all seen how ragey each one of us individually gets when we start talking like you've seen me rage that we're, we're going on a little, a long conversation. I know we are really conversing. Just, not real anymore. <laughs> it happens every I'm time. I'm like, geez, how did three hours <laughs> go by? <laughs> you can see the level. You can see how my body rages in and out. I come in and out of rage. I come in and out of shrinking back and, and, and all that. Um, whenever, we've done a zoom with anything when we did that thing with just outcomes and people got on and you could see, I could see the, the bodily, the bodily, uh, visceral kind of, um, adaptations of, of, of trauma being expressed through words and, and body language. And it, so I understand it can 
it will it can stir up all the muck of the sediment that we have that we've packed down maybe very neatly because we've been taught that's commotional we've been taught that's wrong it's wrong to feel anger and rage it's less enlightened none of these things are true it's right it's us from our humanity there is such a thing. I, I feel like I'm not understanding it fully, but there is such a thing as compassionate rage. Um, there There is such a thing as ha- feeling anger and directing it exactly at the thing that it needs to be directed at. And well, saying, I think it starts not by- okay. It starts by just being willing to feel where it's located in our bodies and getting like reconnected back to like letting it have its expression. Like mm-hmm. it, le- we can't go to the people yet. Sometimes we have to just feel the feel. And we might have to do that for years because we might be too volatile and we could totally bite this person's head off. But I right. think it's what we I could, like we about could complex. Totally lose our top. And I think and it's what I like about. Have, let's let hold up. We yeah. we have lost our top. We, there are those of us who have gotten violent. And yes. lost their lives because they couldn't handle holding that violence inside because they were taught expressing it was so wrong. Right. So, like all so of it's enmeshed. Can, when you can crystallize, when you can, when we can do, go to therapy, understand that the therapist isn't there to coddle us. They're not there to shame us either. They're there to help us, but it might not be easy and it might not come across very well. I've done, I've had three different therapists. Right now, the person I have is a little bit like me, where we both get animated when we want to get animated and we bring it down when we want to bring it down. And so she's not very, she's not super bookish. So it's helpful for me. Um, but the, you know, I've gone through a lot. I've gone through a lot of different experiences and I've learned over time that that you, you don't, it's, it's not fast. It's long, it's hard and long. It might be for our whole lives. It could be, it could, it could be, but just being able to check in is, is a nice thing to have. Like I get to check in on Wednesday and I'm glad for them. I'm glad I get to do that. Um, and it might, it's not going to solve everything in one session. Um, but I'll know that there's another one coming up and that gives me a little bit of, um, just some, some, uh, some peace of mind, even in a way of like, oh, I could talk about this if I get frustrated by it. But that um, the so that so we need to feel good in the idea that there's we have compassionate rage that it's directed at something for a reason. It's not we're not we're not Tasmanian devils wreaking havoc. There's a reason for it. It's and it's valid. It's important. It matters. The fact that that even has to be said is, is so irritating. I know it is. It's another thing to raise about for another. (laughs) Yeah. It makes me want to throw up like, no, like the fact that we've been so indoctrinated from just basic emotional body experiences and that we have a visceral response to somebody coming out loud about something that we all know happened. Like, oh my gosh, this shows that this uncomfortable, like even breaking the silence is going to be disheveling. You might just need trauma for the silence being broken. I mean, because that in and of itself shatters. Yes. It's a pretty big, profound experience to even say the word cult. That's right. Like, what? Oh my God. How? Me? Never. How dare you? That makes me 
uncomfortable. I don't like that. Go away. Mm -mm. It's real. It's real. I validate that very much. I very much validate that. And but at the same time, there is a responsibility. The minute you you turn 18, now you're responsible for yourself and you can do it. I have faith. You can you can be anybody can be responsible for their own healing. You kind of have to do it. Unfortunately, ain't nobody going to do it for you. Right. And it'll make you a better person in the world. It'll make you more, more, more present in the world. It'll make you more available and conscious. And, you know, there is look at history, look at history. There is a place for antagonism. There has always been a place We're Americans. We push back when we don't, when we see that something is not right. That's what inspires me as an American to say, look at how much I've, how many friends I have who say this is not right. I have friends. Well, I'm going to, let's just end on this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it could go on and on, but I do want to say, um, what, what, else is there that you want to make sure you say you know whether it's the first second gen anyone else or just get it off your own heart what what else do you want to be said here i want to say um that i'm ah, i don't know i don't know i i i want to say that as charged as i am as as everything as i am i rest assured i know life is good and life can be good and it will be good and and it's possible everything is possible i am an optimist at heart um and that if the dust settles with all of this and we inevitably see 3ho going back to business as usual um that we did our best it's that, that it's that's the likely scenario i would say that's the likely scenario and um that it, it shouldn't come as a surprise at this point but that like realize you don't need to if the dust settles and then in 10 years from now someone says says this happened to me i want to talk about it you don't you don't have to um go back in if if you feel yourself free and liberated, emancipated from it all, you know, that's kind of where I'm at right now, where I get compelled and then I'm like, what? No, uh-uh. And that, that life is pretty short. So it's, and I just want to put out a, you know, life is short and it, it's, it feels good to live it fully. And that's what I intend to do. So, and that, um, so when I want to end, I want to end with people who inspire me, which are um, some friends of mine, a lot of friends of mine lately, actually, but a couple of friends of mine who I've known since art school, whose um, parents, grandparents, sorry, they're, they're, and their parents, their grandparents were sent to internment camp in Jerome, Arkansas, for being Japanese American in World War II and that this was a at the time it was done it was a normalized phenomenon and it wasn't questioned and it wasn't broken up until it, it wasn't actually reconciled for 
the the incarcerated victims of that uh, executive action um, until the 1980s. The Supreme Court didn't actually overrule its constitutionality, but that the generations that followed didn't ever lose sight of what happened and they didn't stop and they they ha they're not closing the book on that injustice and they're continuing to be active and vocal as uh nisei and sansei and now the the overall term nike and i k k e i and there uh, i have a lot of close friends who are active in uh, Nikkei as Nikkei progressives and active in in this work of bringing these stories to light and making sure that we don't repeat history and that that that's an inspiration to me because and then it doesn't make me feel like a black sheep or a lone lone antagonist out there. It makes me feel like. Okay, you know, yeah, there it is. Oh, it's okay, and it's even good. It's responsible to, to say what you got to say. And no, people push back. People were really, you know, I know someone who had, you know, was given reparations for in her her time in an internment camp. She had people come up to and say to her right off, "No, that shouldn't have happened," you know, and and that you do have to face some of that some of those haters every now and then and and we have thick skin and it'll it's still better to be on per, the pursuit of right and wrong and right and wrong isn't that hard to decipher when you undo get get rid of all of that spiritual bypassing get rid of all of the equivocating get rid of all of the justifications for your whatever is propel, compelling you to act out in certain toxic ways get rid of all of that Right and wrong is not hard. <laughs> so. Yes. 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 I just can't get enough. I really want to say I really appreciate the work you've put in, the foundation that you've laid on truth telling, being an antagonist, saying the uncomfortable thing. It, it It's going to you know, make the waters choppy. And yet I am so grateful because it, I take these things like when it hits me, I'm kind of like, huh, isn't it interesting? And then what if I start looking at it from there and I start doing something differently so that I could possibly see through a veil that I don't even know is there. And I, I just want to speak to that in that when I shared my story, you know, a very significant story happened to me and that happened to be that, you know, this life changing moment that, you know, has really been a part of my narrative around my own understanding of my masculine and feminine energy and stuff like this. And, you know, we have very different stances in terms of how we glean the things from our upbringing, but it doesn't take away from me being able to receive what you were pointing out. And what you pointed out in that moment was yeah, in that instance, this healer comes to you and offers you this wonderful whatever, whatever, beautiful, glad you had an experience. And I was like, yeah, me too. But the point that you made, which was so great, was 
the amount of unsolicited healers touching our bodies energetically physically this is not okay and you know how normalized it is it was so normalized that just the comment and my positive reference of this experience which is wonderful great glad i could gleam all the great positive things from it the point though landed so strong for me that i gotta just let it like reverberate and kind of crack open this proverbial positive view of something and let me see i I apologize because sometimes i can be so blunt that people are like what that makes me feel uncomfortable Great, but I, you 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 are apologizing for being that way. But I wanted to point out that I think it's so valuable when one is ready for the for the dose of truth that their consciousness isn't letting them have. And if we can invite ourselves to let antagonists indicate to ourselves what's unearthed in you, what's un what's there, because. Yes, my story, I still gleam it as a positive thing. Like, it's helped me inform my life. Your point doesn't take away from what I know it informed for me. What it did. Even, even just, the, just the granular experience alone is part of the whole. So yes. Not, and, you know, and it, being, can be, it and, can be looked at as a, just a, part of a, a, a part of something you know it can i'm not i don't want to say neutral but like a fuck um, neutral i hate neutral not um. neutral like uh like you know i don't know I, ambigu ambiguity is the closest thing i have to to our experience to to life itself is that ambiguity is actually probably what sums it all up all together ambiguity is what we kind of look for when we make paintings when I made my paintings from Shangri-La Girls School, those were all, the goal of those was ambiguity to, to, to look, look past the black and white, look past the positive negative and think about the, think about the ambiguous, the, the, the way, and it, I guess that goes into larger kind of philosophical stuff that is blotty, you know, gets a little lectury, but for me, that's what helps a lot is just like okay yes it, there's every a lot of it is just kind of layered ambiguity that 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 we can notice be curious about and say okay yeah um you know sit with sit with why was that person so i don't know like i i guess super uncomfortable but i have my own framework of understanding how to you know giving unsolicited advice and how that crosses a line you know well, and also but how normal that was like mm-hmm. the way the way that we learn to bypass feeling our feelings is mm-hmm. to offer judgment or advice mm-hmm. and usually through a spiritual enlightened lens that links it back to yb so and maybe even judgment laced uh, advice laced with some judgment definitely and shame is in there and it's actually wrapped in a pretty white bow or chuny you know it's all wrapped up in there and it's so sophisticated it looks like it's coming as compassion but it's not compassion it's predatory judgment and unsolicited advice and when you constantly get judgment and unsolicited advice wrapped up in shame and pretty white lenses you believe it and then you internalize that and then this you even think that that's how to go about then you think it is and it, it becomes so defaulted i had to notice myself 
how often I give advice. I'm like, they didn't ask for that. And then oh, I, yeah. I mean, and I, I have to, but I, what I'm saying is the work is us noticing that the very thing we can point out is in us, right? That narcissism, that predatory. And in this moment, when you pierce that veil for me, I could have gotten offended that you're taking a lens on a very important way I see my life. And it is an important way I see my life, but it's not the only way to see it. Oh, and, well, good. And that narrative helped me for a long time. Yet, I was willing to say, wow, that's interesting. What she just said is really interesting. I didn't like it. I kind of felt it in my body right like, wait, here. Wait, why are you cracking that? That's right. Why are you cracking my pretty little bubble of the way I've interpreted this? That has worked for me. Where it's and, like, I might have been a punk ass, like comedic, like my way of coping in India was to be a, a comic relief, making jokes, making this and that. There's some people who didn't like that. And we had to reconcile. And part of it is your personality and part of it is their receiving. But either yeah. way, the best thing each of us can ever do is start dismantling these things inside of ourselves, right? Yeah. And doing what you're talking about, naming these different parts of you and doing very tough trauma-informed work to start saying, is what I think this is actually what this is? And mm -hmm. when, when, the where I'm wanting to wrap and end this is just saying when I let myself let that land, that's uncomfortable comment coming from someone who I know is processing a lot of their own rage and expresses differently than me. And I could have judged that instead. I was just like, wow, what an interesting thing to say. What I got was this flood of awareness and it took a little while but this flood of awareness of the amount of times i've ever allowed unconsciously allowed or consciously allowed healers to touch me inappropriately and yeah. it's so fucking fast yeah You're that's like, what i said fucking damn it yeah fuck me. Wrong. fuck me and that my system is so used to it my system is so used to silence my system is so used to freezing yeah and the and fact how... that i wouldn't even know how to stop it even though i have agency as a 44 year old woman yeah. you know what i'm saying most people most people do freeze and then look back and say was that you know, as a, so I'll speak as a bot, this is body worker me. <laughs> My life is like in little chunks. Body worker me knows, has been trained through that, that, that you are the one that has to set the tone because most people have in, it's implicit trust. So you're giving your practitioner implicit trust and you, you know, that most people, you know, the worst that they might just be like, oh, that's too much pressure or, something so you have to be very the onus is on you to um you know check in a lot make sure people feel safe and and tell them straight off the bat your safety your safe your safety matters here so i want you to speak up you know and like that yeah, actually but we know we like know therapists know. aren't doing that though narankar i mean i appreciate what you're saying as a professional but a lot of professionals aren't doing that so no, they're one grows up they're coming from an egocentric self-involved i know more than you they're not there to help they're there to actually do do they're there some for themselves not for the person and that's like they're not stepping outside of their own experience and in, in being being truly helpful so whenever there's a minor 
and this is just today and this day and age because things are different now than they were 30 years ago but in this day and age you you know when there's a minor you make sure the parent is in full awareness that their kid is receiving body work or whatever and that they you know the that the parent signs the forms and make sure everything and that you you kind of have to go above and beyond to make that minor feel at, no. feel safe at minimum if you can help them at they need to feel safe before you can do you can do anything really but that was not that wasn't the case so us. not but not only not the case, we're talking about a new level of nebulous. We're yeah. talking about somebody who's not even anything licensed or anything. Nope. And there's just, just healers. Open... That's why they have heal. They say they're healers. My, so again, it's just like, I, I know you went right to professional and what professionals should do, but that, okay, I guess I was yeah. more, I was more touching on the point that we can be regulated to abuse and we don't know it because it's become so much a part of something that we've narrated in our own internal survival story as positive and that wow, in and of itself okay. is positive that in and of itself is trauma survival so it's not bad that's like me having this awareness that's a wonderful thing like oh my god now it brought up a lot of grief it brought up a lot of pain oh. a lot of rage and i'm not saying that to to say anything other than listeners when you hear this stuff and it brings up stuff in you it's a part of the trauma process. It's a part of the healing process. This should be an indicator to you, either when it it brings up, oh, I didn't like that, or it brings up grief, or it brings up whatever. Get a therapist. Get help here. Start going into these places that don't feel so good because this is where we need to have more support and start reframing something that we were taught to look at in one way could possibly be a totally different thing. And I think your voice does that for a lot of people. It pierces a veil that they may not yet have foundation to even know what to do with. And don't, yeah, I'm not the boogeyman people. I'm just a <laughs> who says what I want to say. And I'm going to say on my blog that I wouldn't tell you face to face in person that I haven't already said to my parents. Yeah. And, yeah, and it just, to me, is a testament to your healing, your work, your, in, your willingness to just start asking different questions. I'm not saying better or right one, just different. And if we don't go in a different way, we can't ever see things through a new lens. And you really do that. And, and I, right. if right anything, on. it's like, don't apologize. Just know your role is that uncomfortable thing. Because I think you're, having... even your willingness to apologize shows you're wanting to work on the part of you that yeah. might come across in a way that isn't supporting people to hear the thing you want. And that in and of itself is a part of all we're doing, right? We're unpacking a mess that we got loaded. Yeah. That, that we can we can do it's not insurmountable uh and at the same time you know minimal work doesn't exactly get gold stars it's just kind of what we have to do in life <sighs> survive <laughs> and get on with it have a good good time drink yeah. a beer have a pizza with some sausage on it you're not gonna go to hell <laughs> 
It's okay. <laughs> um, gosh, thank you. I really, I want to say oh, thank, thank you. you. Um, let let people know how to read your blog or any uh, any your art or to be connected with um, your curiosity. The, the blog is compartmentalized, reachingouts.com. Um, it's pretty set. It's pretty inactive these days, but there's lots to go through if you haven't been there. Um, and there's an Instagram account that's also kind of sedentary these days it's kind of calmed down but that's just because not all of us we don't have time to do it all all at once all the time and um but that it's there as a bookmark and it's public and it's for anybody to see anytime and um you know get if if you are second generation the door is always open you can always call me if you're having a hard day if you're having a hard time you don't want me to rage in your ear i won't rage in your ear i will be there um and i also you know and my art is just my first name.com is and that's just a completely different that's that's kind of like my life you know like that's my life this is my <laughs> healing project <laughs> i don't know what it is <laughs> if it's a monster that i created that i don't know how to get out of it's uh it's a, it's, it's a fun house mirror <laughs> but have fun and i'll talk to you soon <laughs> you too yeah Mom, um, thank you for doing what you're doing i hope we made it nice and uncomfortable yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> i think it was plenty uncomfortable um but i do want to say to second gen as well several people have reached out and and i i really am happy that that you're getting supported you know that you're starting to ask these different questions and and please reach out if you need help and you are asking need anyone to just feel heard or seen sometimes it's just that and i and don't hesitate to reach out to me directly to the second i'm speaking to second gens yeah um, yeah and i First really also want to I really also want to just encourage you to share your stories. You know, there's just so many of us that are just, you know, in the code of silence and it doesn't have to be out. It doesn't have to be live. We could absolutely record it privately and and then we just put it up onto the podcast. And so I'm just letting you know because your story does matter. And I know some of you skip over the intention. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you your story matters <laughs> and please tell it when you're ready because it does matter. And every time one of us cracks the simple story of our own experience, not in the hierarchy of somebody else's trauma in comparison to somebody else's experience, but just purely because your story and your experiences matter. And when you tell them it's, it's beautiful, it's healing, and it opens up stuff that's wanting to um, be seen and have your attention. So tell us about your song, Narankar. Oh, my song, I forgot about my song. <laughs> my song it's been stuck in my head for a while it's a breakup song by keisha cole called shit will let you go i thought it'd be perfect because it's a new song not a throwback song or it's new words and within the last 15 years i i can me my aging self considers that new um it's just a just a r&b breakup song it's got a little sadness a little rage a little everything so all right well let's go ahead and hear keisha cole here and obviously we don't listen to all of the song but you can um follow the uncomfortable conversations playlist on spotify to hear the full version of the song here we go just to think about it i 
would do things that I would regret Trying to get you to understand how I felt for you I tried real hard time and time again But I didn't know my love wouldn't grow I should have just let it go But I stayed around thinking you would learn to love And we both Oh yeah, Keisha Cole, should have let you go when I had the chance. <laughs> should have known what love was, and this is not love. <laughs> Folks, I want to just thank you for listening to another episode of the Uncomfortable Conversations podcast, the untold stories of the 3HO Kundalini Yoga community. I want to thank Narankar for coming on as our guest today. Um, if you would like to contribute to this podcast, you can make a one-time or a monthly donation at gurunishan.com slash uncomfortable conversations. And if you would like to be a guest on the podcast, please send me an email to gn at gurunishan.com. And you can also subscribe and follow my work at gurunishan.com as well. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you on the next episode.